Okay, so let's start because um, I just you want to tell everybody that you got good news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we actually have a speech therapist on right now. X, right? Oh, X. Yeah, sorry. Uh, and um, he just said that my voice, and he can't even tell I have the lisp. So fuck all no, y'all. No, not the lisp. That's not what I'm <laughs> yeah. talking about. I'm talking about just your speech before even the. Okay, line. so before it was messed up. Now he's saying he said it's. He can't even tell. It sounds great. <laughs> now I'm just gonna He's take it. Nice I'm man. just gonna take it as a win, and we're gonna continue the podcast because, yeah, we don't get many wins around here on this side. <laughs> no, sounding good, looking good. Thanks, man. You're a nice guy. That's why you're. <laughs> I'm glad you're you. making improvements with your life, man. That's good. You yeah. got a mattress yesterday. You got a box spring. Now you got your teeth fixed. That's huge. They fucking bullied me <laughs> into buying a mattress. Yeah. Last. Yes, those are good friends. So we had two. We had. Two girls on the podcast yesterday, our sister wives, and um, he, I don't know how the mattress got kept brought up. And all of a sudden, we're talking about mattresses, and then he's like, oh, yeah, you know, your 25-year-old mattress in your room, you need to get a new one or something like that. And then next thing you know, the girls are looking at me like, one girl goes, I did notice a little... A crater. Oh, a cr- what, no, what, she said, what she said, she said like a lump or An something. Indention an indention. Because, you know, I just sleep literally... I bet you this part of the mattress on the right side is perfectly fine. But where I just sleep on the left, I mean, it's got a little, I mean, you can see the, you know, I can tell, you know, that's, the, but it's like a little, it's probably like an inch or two yeah. deep for my, we, for my Let's ass. have a moment of silence for your spine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's not good, man. Well, like I was telling, I told him yesterday that I didn't want to, I was texting him. Hey man, what, what is the name of the mattress she bought? You know? Because I noticed like a couple of weeks ago, my back was hurting a little bit. I was like, I, I didn't sleep wrong. You know, I didn't lift any kegs or anything this morning yet. I'm just like, why did, why does my, why did, I was like, fuck, he's right. It's probably my fucking. I told him it's like, you wouldn't go to a hotel and have, you wouldn't take that, like that mattress that it's in his room. You wouldn't think that was acceptable. So why would you think it's acceptable for something you sleep on every day? Mm. Yeah, I never even thought about it like that. That makes a lot of sense. Is this an elaborate lead into like a Casper mattress ad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I just he see, licks sleep. Promo code. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, I just uh, he found you told me to do mattress queen mattress on Amazon, mm-hmm. and there was one that had like one hundred and fifty thousand reviews, and it was like four and a half stars. So I just went with that. Hey, all right. And then he I said, mean, anything's better than what you're currently. That's on. what he said. He's like, yeah. and then the girls were like, if you don't like it. You just, it's because you know it's on Amazon. You just send that shit back. I'm like, mm-hmm. how am I gonna send a mattress back? And like, they come and get it. I was like, damn, all right. I mean, it might be a hassle, but <clears throat> yeah. like I said, I mean, anything is better than what you're currently sleeping on. Because like, I did see they have options where like for twenty dollars, we'll put it in that, like you know, they'll set it inside the doorstep, or for forty five dollars or whatever it was. They'll do something, and then like one hundred and fifty nine dollars, they'll put the new mattress on or something. I was like, three hundred dollars, they tuck you in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was like, I was waiting for that option, but I was like, man, fuck oh, all man. that. I got him to help me. Shit, I'm good. Now nah, you can do it yourself. Nah, I'm gonna need some help. Be a big boy, man. Yeah. So, did you do anything fun on Halloween? We had a little like low key. Um, you know, back porch hangout session. Uh, my buddy put up a projector. We watched a scary movie. He made a fire. So. Dude, that's cool as shit. Yeah. So we have a backyard that's kind of, you could probably do that back there. Mm-hmm. But like, I was thinking, I was like, man, you would have to run like a power core. But now I forgot, I just thought about this. The shed has electrical. Yeah. We could probably just plug it in there. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice. And then yesterday it was uh, pouring rain. It went, my wife and I went and saw Smile. 
I heard that was good. It was creepy. So is that the yeah. movie where all people were at the baseball game? Yeah, yeah with the weird. Yeah, with the weird smile, like the, like like the woman you're probably talking about. Yeah. 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 So what is the movie about? That's the face. People smiling like that, like an evil smile. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I don't want to give too much away, but you know, if you see that smile, you need to you need to get away. So it is definitely a scary movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh okay. yeah, I thought it was pretty good, and the marketing was smart. You know, like yeah. paying one person to just like be front row at a baseball game, just doing an evil smile. <laughs> yeah, because like I saw this lady, and I was like, this lady is creepy. But why are they making fun of her? And then I found out it was publicity yeah. for the movie. And I was like, I didn't feel so bad for her then. But. It was the first one, the first playoff game, right for the um, yeah. baseball. Like think, it was yeah. like the, that that series. What was that division series or something like that? I don't even know what it's called. But that's when I saw it. I was like, what is up with that chick? And yeah, then, there was other people <laughs> yeah. that doing it too. Though. There was oh, like guys okay. and and her yeah. also. But yeah, that's good marketing. It's cool marketing, yeah. Yeah. I wonder was she in the movie? Probably I don't know. Probably, oh, I doubt it. Okay, they probably paid some Craigslist actor to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But no, like that would be fun to do, like when it's not going to rain or anything. And then I was going to go to the U the, the Hotel party last night, and uh, man, I didn't hear from my friend, and I wasn't going to text her. I was kind of like, it's raining its ass off, uh, you know. Download the new uh, Call of Duty, and then it was fucking up, so I just played GTA. Yeah. Did you all watch the Silver fight? Or I know you didn't. I did. So Anderson Silver fought Jake Paul. Jake Paul last night. You know who Anderson Silver is. I know the name. Okay, so, you know, MMA, the, mm-hmm. one of the best, you know. So, like. He's 47, though. Yeah, so, and Jake Paul is, what, 29? 25. 25. So, I got a text from my friend Alex, and she's like, are you watching this fight? And I didn't even know what was going on. And I was like, I didn't text her back because I was playing GTA. And I was like, um, I watched it this morning, and I was like, there's no way he took a dive in that fight. You know? I don't think he took a dive, but I just think that if this guy claims he's a boxer, why is he not fighting boxers? That's what everybody's main debate is. He, you know, you know who Jake Paul is, right? Yeah, Logan Jake yeah. Paul. He won. Did Jake Paul win? Yeah, he won by decision. But it's just like you know, he's all like, "Yeah, I'll take anybody." Blah blah blah. But he's taking old MMA guys from the UFC that are past their prime, and they're like twenty two years older than him. Yeah, and it's like. You know, more kudos to him for, you know, like you can get hurt doing that type of stuff, but at least fight somebody in that sport. You're fighting somebody that didn't do that for a living. Yeah. Like if he, if Anderson Silva was an ex boxer, yes, I can understand that. But he's an M- MMA guy, so he's not having all his weapons that he was used. That's why he was so successful in M- uh, the UFC and MMA. But yeah, I did watch it though. I mean, it's, I, it's I, entertainment. I wouldn't say it's a, it's a sport. It's mm-hmm. just like, you know, it's like celebrity boxing type shit. So like, I really think this is like going to be the way things are moving forward where these guys need, like, not saying that he needed the money or whatever, but like, hey, we're going to pay you $5 million. That's more than you made in your UFC 20-year career or whatever it was, right? To come here and fight on the, on the card or whatever. Like, these big paydays is what I think everyone should be getting or, or be shooting for. And for not to take in the fight, just because, I mean, if you don't need the money, like GSP probably doesn't need the money, but like, I would definitely take it if I was in that position, man. Like, for there sure. maybe Rampage, yeah, Rampage might be able to do something like that, take a fight like that, or like, I don't know, but it definitely seems like it's becoming more for fun, you know, like, we're just watching something to mm-hmm. enjoy it, than it's like, oh, man, that's my favorite fighter, you know, like, man, I don't give a fuck. I just want to see somebody beat him. That's yeah. what I always watch it. We just want to see Jake Paul beat different people up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, then he called out, so apparently backstage, 
Nate Diaz slapped his dad, um, Jake Paul's dad, like in the head or something like that, or tried to or something. And now he's on called. The ass. Yeah, on the <laughs> ass. Now he's called out Nate Diaz and uh, Canelo. Canelo, who's a boxer. I think Canelo. I mean, I, well, I, Canelo's a lot smaller than him too, though. How much is what was? I thought it was one. How much is Jake Paul? Jake Paul's like I think last night was a catchweight. They fought at like one eighty seven, but he probably walks around like two hundred pounds. And Canelo's Canelo is like probably small, like, right? Yeah, he's probably like one fifty. Oh yeah, that's I, I don't. I'm not big on boxing, so I don't know the weights like I do in MMA. But he's probably if I would assume he's probably like what a lightweight would be in the MMA. That's one fifty five. But yeah, he's a small guy because I know he he stepped up and fought some guy and he lost. I think in decision in boxing, but like in his own, you know, steady weight class, he does well. Now, didn't they didn't one of the brothers call out? Um, what's the Gypsy King Tyson Fury? Tyson Fury's brother, which is Tommy Fury. Oh, that's who they called out. Yeah, but it keeps there. That's Jake trying to fight him. <clears throat> Excuse me, but like something keeps happening with like visa issues or something because I, I don't know if it's still with COVID or what is happening, but. That's why that fight hasn't really happened. But, I mean, there's so many other boxers. Like, that's like when you make excuses for, like, shit not getting done. And I'm like, like, there's other people that build websites, man. Like, it's just <laughs> not that one fucking person. You know, I'm, that's the thing I'm doing this week. This week, I'm going to reach out to me. I swear, I, te- I sent him an email. Like, hey, man, he, maybe I sent it to you by mistake because I just copied. You know, like, you know when you reply all and you have to delete, like, one of the names that you mm-hmm. names? Like, you know what? Maybe I did send it to you now that I think about it because you forwarded it to me. That means your name would be first and not his. I'll go back and look at that later on, but I think that's what I did. See? Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But I really did send him an email or I tried to about, I was going to look at some websites, like nonprofit websites and uh, come up with like come up with an idea. But then I was also thinking about this last night. Why don't you just tell him what you wanted on the website? You're the one that claims you want. No, no, to no. Run I'm just, shit. I'm just saying because like it's gonna have to have your final approval anyways. Because it's, I, it's with you. this thing, it's just it's not us. Yeah, I know it's us three. It's, like yeah. you know, like I'm saying, like you know, it's it's for this the people. Our this is normal. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just trying to say, like, if you would just tell him, hey, Bill, it's like the way you want it. I'll just Venmo. I mean, pay him, but Venmo me the money or whatever, like. Let's keep it under like. So you're trying to get out of doing work? No, I just don't know what to, I just don't know what the fuck to do on it. I don't know even know what to make it look like. like you haven't even tried. I went to the the Goodwill in the MIFA. Okay, and that's when I asked you guys about the mission statement and stuff. So we have a chance. That's the least important thing to worry about. Just get the just do the man. bones. Just get shit, and done. then we can add the stuff. Yeah. Okay. Hey, do you know somebody that does websites? We already know a guy that does oh, websites. Yeah. Matt, sorry. <laughs> Matt, my bad, my bad, my bad, Matt. I'm trying to pip out our guests over here. <laughs> what are you calling him Matt for? No, I said I said I'm trying to pimp out our guests here. Oh. oh no. <laughs> no, Matt's the website guy. Yeah, I was like, no, no his name is Brady. Brady, yeah. Yeah. I know my way around, uh, around a WordPress, barely. That's about all I can do, you know. Yeah, I was watching a YouTube, and uh, I'm not going to try to try build one, but like, you know, the people that make the, I feel the way some people make YouTube videos, mm-hmm. they are already the expert in it. So when they're doing it, it makes it look really easy. But when you go try to do it, 
it's not that easy. Yeah. Well, I think they have, there's template stuff now. It's not, you're like doing code like back in the day, like HTML. So you have like Wix and there's a couple other ones. Squaresoft. Yeah, yeah. Like you just drag and drop stuff. But I personally think if you want stuff hosted or not hosted, but like you have like, if you want changes done or like mm-hmm. I had an issue with email. So I just messaged a Matt guy. He took care of it. I didn't have to worry about it. So it's easier just to pay somebody sometimes to do stuff. Especially if it's not your expertise. Yeah. What do you do, man? Do you do IT? No, no. I wish. I wish I did anything, but I, I still no, I love my job. I'm uh I work for Anheuser Busch. I'm a oh, salesman. Cool. cool. And uh here in Memphis, it's uh Eagle. And I have a territory which has like four parts of Memphis, uh, Arlington, Lakeland, Cordova, and Eads. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I pretty much sell beer, make the store look presentable. And that's about it. It's a lot of work, but I talked to a guy who worked, uh, this is in over in Oklahoma. I was there last weekend and he said he was working for, I think it was Budweiser and you can't get 4th of July off. No. Like that's the most important day of the Budweiser year. Right? Uh, so we work. <clears throat> so all the distributors have it set up the way you have to listen to what Anna as a bush says, right? So there's like four or five holidays that we work, but we get a free day that we can add on to like a vacation or something like that. Mm-hmm. So like, say I want to use five days of vacation and my free day of my sixth day when we come back so I don't have to go to work. I can, I just, you know, I want to use five of these and one of those. And it, I actually kind of prefer working on some of those holidays because it's, we're not really doing much. Like you already have all the beer into the account that you need it for. And then you're just showing up and, you know, making it look good and stocking a little bit. It's mainly for stocking. Because grocery stores and a lot of C stores are kind of blown out, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much what it is. We're getting paid full time to stock the shelf pretty much, and that's it. Okay. But like, that's like the most American holiday, right? So why <laughs> did you not be off it? No, wait, no, yeah, no, Thanksgiving would be, no, no, Fourth of July, because that's when the independence was, right? No, because it, t- I just told you why. Like, it's because of they need us in the stores. But don't y'all get off early anyways? Yeah. Or not even really oh, work I forgot a full about day? that because like on, so we go in, we start on time or a little bit early if you want to. You, they say that you don't have to work the eight hours, but now sometimes you're actually out there for the eight hours because it's like, especially if you have like Kroger's like around here, like Kroger Arlington, I mean, uh, Kroger Arlington or Farmington and Bahalia, they're, they're the busiest Kroger's in Memphis. And um, they're always blown out. So, like, you have to spend a little extra time in there. But, like, you, I don't usually work the full eight hours. But now, when my buddy, like, my boy Nash, last last holiday, he called me. He was like, hey, man, are you done yet? I was like, yeah, I'm fixing to head home. He's like, do you mind helping me? I'm like, no, where you're at? He's like, how much you got? He's like, I got five pallets. I'm like, how do you got five pallets? So it's 12 o'clock in the afternoon. What time did you start? And I was just thinking in my head. I'm like, yeah, I'll come and fucking help you, man. But I don't want to fucking deal with five pallets. <laughs> Yeah, because I just wonder, like, like especially somebody has a family, and their family like might want to go out of town or something, or, or like just go to the lake or whatever. It just seems kind of fucked that you can't enjoy your time. Budweiser's your family now. That's right. <laughs> That's what but it see, our like, distributorship man. is a little different. Like, they'll accommodate people, you know, like because we're lucky that we actually have a couple extra bodies on the sales team and like in the warehouse. So, um, like. Say like my boss Phil wanted like Tony just they wanted to go to the lake with his wife and kid and grandbaby, 
Like they can let Phil go, you know, and they, they're not going to. Do they let me. people have vacation time on that? Like, can anybody take vacation, or is it nobody gets off that day? Nobody really gets off, but you can request it way in advance, and it'll probably get. I'm going to say 95 percent will get approved. Like, mm. but like, yeah, I get what you're saying, but like, you know, I yeah, you know what? I'm fucking on going on strike. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier before we started recording. How like during the pandemic, we realized that a lot of these corporations and companies don't care about their employees. Yeah, well, Budweiser definitely did step up. Like, you know how they? Uh, well, I don't know for our distribution at least. Um, you know, like when in 2020, if you got COVID, you got paid. Like for that week or two weeks, I'm just two weeks. You're out. You the your company had to pay you because of federal law. Uh, our distributorship actually extended that into like half of 21 also, and then they sent an email out like in May or June of 21 saying, "Hey, by the way, uh, moving forward, in, this is the new policy." Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, because you can't you couldn't control getting COVID back then, you know, especially at least at least if you tried or not, you know. But like, and then like it's it's. I think our distributorship is a little different than the rest of them. The ones in Tennessee, because they're more laid back because of the execution we do for them. I got you. Yeah, but I would like Fourth of July off though. Fuck you! I'm getting it off now. You put the thing in my head. I'm just saying, it just seems kind of fucked up that y'all can't have that day off and everybody else has it off. Now, I mean, do y'all get Christmas off? Yeah. So why can't I mean? You're telling me that Thanksgiving all beer goes away. Thanksgiving. On the fourth of July. <laughs> Thanksgiving and uh Christmas. Yeah, thanks yeah, I know it's Christmas and Thanksgiving and then the rest we work. I don't know, I just find it kind of funny like they try to be like a, we're an American company. And is in the German company owns it or something. Well, like Anheuser Busch is not owned by in it's been in owned by anybody for over ten years now. Yeah. They bought it for like seventy billion cash. They're gonna shut down your podcast. You can't <laughs> say that on <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think that's kinda of hilarious that they don't give you the day off that is. And now the only reason the Miller house here in town is they're off on those holidays is because their drivers are union and those are union holidays. 100%. They were trying to get rid of the union, the union there. Um, They got it down to one, one driver left as there was on the union. Wow. And then the union was like, all right, well, I guess the, you know, because they went under the grocery people union or whatever it is. And they were like, all right, so I guess it's time to dissolve the union at, at oh, I forget the actual name for the Miller Coors thing here in Memphis. But like they said, um, and then next thing you know, the warehouse management, warehouse manager and the driver number one boss, they went out and recruited people. They're like, hey, come work here for us. We union, you get off all these holidays, you can bring beer back. And they came back with like seven drivers. That's amazing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they were just trying to get it to where they could keep their union thing going. Right. Mm -hmm. And then obviously a lot of those drivers don't even work there anymore, but they were able to keep it. And now there's like 10 people on the union. Yeah. But they, uh, they almost got it. And then, cause you know, when you're not in the union, they can fire you. Oh yeah. Like for, for, if you don't want to take that truck out again, you're fired. If you you know, if you come back with too much damaged beer, we're writing you up. You know, all with the union, none of that happens. Yeah. So, I, don't know. I would love to see more. I've been kind of excited over the past couple of years to see more. You know, <clears throat> excuse me, buzz around unions. Yeah. Um, and workers kind of coming together to demand better working conditions, better pay, better benefits. I think um, 
that's a, it's been a long time coming, I think. Do you also think, though, like sometimes like people, I mean, everyone has the right to become a union, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously. But sometimes I'm like, you know, you, you can see the people at Starbucks becoming trying to become a union and the ones in Memphis got fired. Mm-hmm. And then the federal, I think the Supreme Court made them hire everybody back with back pay or something like that. Do you think that they were just trying to do it? Like, what is the reason that Starbucks needs a union? I don't know. Like, is it for so they can guarantee employment or like? I don't think Starbucks would want it. I think the employees need it. No, Starbucks is trying to get rid of it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, sorry, the employees were trying to like guarantee themselves like jobs, I guess. Yeah, it's like a safety net. Oh, okay, okay. I mean, it's like better working conditions, like guaranteed holidays, better pay, um, all that kind of stuff. Because the corporation's not going to give it to you, you know, unless you, I think, collectively demand it. Yeah, because like, I think, I think the union is good, you know, for, for people, yeah. especially like people like factory people and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, I agree. You got to think like back like 50 years ago, I mean, it was like nothing like that. And suddenly, slowly but surely, like all the steel workers and shit working in front of all mm-hmm. that and getting asbestos and all that stuff, you know, like you got to think like if there was something to protect those guys back then, maybe they would still be alive right now. Yeah. You know, like, or not have serious health conditions. Yeah. My understanding is a lot of the, labor like union movement got crushed in the seventies and everything got deregulated. And, um, I would love to see a swing back where workers have a little bit more power. Yeah. I mean, they are the backbone of your company. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't I, I love it now. Like people, I saw this TikTok. Somebody had sent me or something. This guy was like coming in late for work. He had like a Starbucks or something. He's like, I can do it. Cause I'm a good employee. Cause you know, it's so hard to get employees now at some places. And that's the thing, like a lot of these people shit on so many people for doing their job and then people left those industries and now they're in the struggle bus of it now. So it's like if you took care of your people, you wouldn't have these issues. Yeah. Well, you know, I saw a meme that also said your favorite restaurant is not short staffed. It's overbooked. Like the like places aren't going to say no, you can't. We're not going to take your reservation. Right. We only have five servers. They're not. They're not exactly. basing it on the amount of employees they have for the floor in the back of the house. They're just basing it on all the tables that are empty or you know that they have. Mm-hmm. So like if you only have seven ser- or five servers and you're a big restaurant, then maybe you should cut half the sections out right that night or that day. But they don't do that. So that server is yeah. running around. Yeah, granted the server's making you know, but. <laughs> Excuse me. At what cost, you know, because they're getting sick, you know, all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. They're just not coming to work. I saw the same thing working in healthcare that, you know, the, the caseload, the number of patients that doctors or, or other medical people are expected to see is not really realistic. Um, but they want to cram in as many patients as they can because that's how you make more money. But then they don't allow clinicians time for paperwork and, and you know, little stuff that you need time to do throughout the day. Um And so I think that's why a lot of times you go to see the doctor and you can kind of tell that they're not even really listening and they're kind of itching to get out the door Um, because these these corporations are basically um, it's all it's all a a giant profit drive. Essentially, I think, you know, the uh, consideration of actual health care kind of kind of a secondary to that. What do you think about um, telemedicine? Like where you can call like a physician, you know, or like a physician will call you and you'll do the interview for 45 minutes with them, like, or you're like that over the internet. I'm a fan. I mean, I, I um, when I was a speech therapist and the pandemic hit, I had to do a little bit of telemedicine. Um, so maybe I could go into a patient's home and um, some patients really liked it. 
um, you know, you have to be, it's a little bit regressive right now in the States because you have to be licensed in the state. So for instance, I couldn't do telemedicine in Mississippi unless I have a license in Mississippi. So um, that's kind of limiting. But, you know, if that wasn't the case, you know, I could do telemedicine and be treating people in Michigan, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, all from my from my house. I love the fact that it, it became a thing. We got it mainly because of COVID, right? Mm-hmm. I think it started before, a little bit before COVID. But, like, you can get, like, you know, um, therapy, like this regular therapy. Yeah. Like, you, know, you can talk to a psychologist, like, over it and stuff mm-hmm. like, instead of just the phone, you know, which I think seeing the person helps a lot, like, when you're talking to them. Like they see you and they know you get, they have your attention. You know, the, the patient has the doctor's attention. Right. You know, that, that, that means a lot. With the phone, you never know what they could be doing. You yeah. Know? You can do like Zoom or something if you want to. That, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. you can see the, you know, the doctor. And then, like, I think that helps a lot too, instead of just like over the phone. I agree. Hey, doc, yeah. you know. You don't know what the fuck they're doing. They, <laughs> they got you like a trucker headset on. They're playing video games, yeah. probably. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not what's that. Better help is the big one. That a lot of people are going to. Well, shit, you could get boner pills, telemedicine. Yeah. You just do it on the internet. You don't have to talk to anybody. And you just, <laughs> boom, that's your house. <laughs> you don't need a script for those? No. Right. You, they, they make you, <laughs> so they make you fill out a form. They, so you put your info, your mm-hmm. age, you know, and there's like three questions. Um. And then you answer them, and then next thing you know, okay, if we need any more info, a uh, physician's assistant or somebody will be reaching out to you. They never do that, right? And because one of my friends was telling me that's what he he just did it, and he they they I mean he started getting blue chew in the mail like every month. It's like thirty blue chews or something like that. Wow. And then he then he got started getting like regular Viagra through the mail too, doing that. He said they were generic. They were just uh, the Sudafil or whatever it's called. You mm. know the ingredient in there. I was like it don't matter. It's got the thing in there. And he was like, yeah. I was like, give me some. <laughs> what do you need it for? I don't. I just, <laughs> just wondered. I saw something, uh, you know, talking about work. But I saw this and I posted earlier. It said, uh, you should leave a toxic work environment the moment you find a team that values you. But like most toxic relationships, you have to believe that you deserve better. This life is too short to continue feeling unhappy and unfulfilled at work. It's so true, though, man. Mm. You know, you were talking about the restaurant. We were talking about restaurants earlier. Like a lot of the people, that's why they're still can't catch their beating with the staffing because they're not paying them shit. Exactly. You know, I saw this. I saw. I follow this. I love Memphis food blog thing on Facebook mm-hmm. and the restaurant industry uh, page on Facebook. This lady actually got on there and posted. I forget what she what company it was for. She got on there and posted now hiring line cooks ten twenty five an hour. And people is that good? No. Oh. It was ten twenty five like five years ago, mm. like, and you know, and I was like, look at my head, like, wait a minute, that's not good at all. Why would she even post that, thinking she's gonna get a bunch of fucking people coming down there, like mm. lining up, like? Now maybe if it's like a kid in high school, that might be good. Yeah, like, but like maybe, it's like an adult now. Yeah, this was like a full. I, I'll, I can find it probably, but it was like full time employment, line cooks, starting pay ten twenty five. Um, it didn't even have like the benefits thing. Like a lot of them are doing now, you know, I was like, I mean, you ain't gonna get nobody. And people on there from the, in the industry were just like laughing on the post. Yeah. Like, I was like, but the way you'll see it reported on is like, no one wants to work, you know, like everyone's like, <laughs> yeah, we can't, we can't find workers. Uh-huh. Oh, let's, let's, let's see why, you know, like yeah. we well, interviewed uh, four small business owners that are crying into, <laughs> you know what I mean? No, it's true because, and then you'll see 
why they're not hire, not going to be able to get anybody to work or stay there. Right. One, maybe the fucking uh, owner's, uh, you know, like bad person, toxic person, right? Mm-hmm. And then two, they're probably paying them still like way below what right. they need to get paid. Fuck, you can go to Amazon and start making $25 an hour. And then I think if you drive the, the little vans around, I think you even make more than that now. Yeah. I think it's like 30 something. I think it's important for uh, employees to like talk to each other. Yeah. Um, I think companies like, you know, encourage employees not to discuss their wages and um, want to keep that stuff kind of t- yeah. tamed down. But I think it's important for people to kind of talk about that because then you start to realize, you know, the ways that you're being exploited by this mm, company. Yeah. Um, and that's where the collective power comes in, I think. Yeah. I was I, One of my buddies, like, he's a good friend of mine from work. And um, he's he asked me, he goes, how much do you usually make on your paycheck? And I was like, man. Let me see yours first or write down. <laughs> I, I said, I said, I said, I said, I said, write down your number uh-huh. that you make on your big check. We get a big check and a small check every month. I was like, write down your big number and I'll write down my big number and then we'll hand it to each other. That way we can't lie. And my, my big check was like 500 bucks more Then he was like, well, how is yours so much more? And I was like, two things. One, you have to, you have to be able to, get as much space for your NA products as you can in these accounts. And then two, you just keep on pounding. You keep on stocking that NA and that's how you make, I make a quarter. I know it doesn't sound like a lot. I make 25 cents on every little, every case of NA product I sell. And, you know, in some accounts, every order that's 10, 15 bucks, you know? I'm, so is that like ghost and yeah, yeah. Like energy drinks, like go C4, uh, essential water bang. Um, but that's kind of different though, because you're on sales, right? So it's not going to be the same. It's based off production. Right. Now, if you're like at Kroger or some other job, yeah. that's different. So those are like set salary uh, yeah. hourly wages. Right. And I guarantee they'll probably hire, say this person at $9 and the next person at $7 to make up that $9 again. Right. Or seven twenty five or whatever. I would imagine. No, I think it would probably be dependent on what your position is, because I think it's going to be a set salary coming in from most places, and then like your level of expertise or your skill level, what have you. That usually depends on how much more you'll make. Yeah, because he started asking me these questions out of the blue one day, and he was like, "We always see your name at the very top of a lot of the list and stuff." I'm like telling you, you got to spend the time with the customer, man. You got to, you got to let them trust you. Once they trust you, then, then, then they're going to let you send. If I need a 10 case display of whatever beer or soda or whatever, or 20 cases, they can be like, all right, well, you know, if it doesn't sell, what are you going to do with it? Well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take it to put it in my car. I'm going to drive it out to Arlington and uh, I'm going to get with the Arlington Kroger rep. And then we're going to bring back, Equal value beer or whatever back, you know, and they're like, all right, cool. Yeah, I think your situation is a little bit different than, you know, others. I did see this thing one time, like it was like this meme and said, our HR lady, our HR lady quit and she put everybody's salary on the printer and let everybody figure out (laughs) what it was making. (laughs) But I think that would be true. Like if you could see what other people were making and be like, well, why am I getting paid a lot less than this other person? (laughs) We're doing the same job. Yeah, essentially. Well, that's what happened. So apparently the drivers started talking to each other at Miller. Yeah. See, that's more of a good example. Yeah. So like Miller was like, so they were like, at Miller, it's Ajax. That's right. Ajax. It's Ajax company here in town that has a Miller contract. And the drivers started getting with each other. Like, you know, because one guy was coming back at, let's say, 12 or 1. And the next guy was like 4 in the afternoon. Leaving at the same time, though. Pretty much leaving 10, 15 minutes outside of each other. And 
the guy coming back in the afternoon has more beer on his truck, right? So the more beer you have in your truck, the um, the more you're going to make as a driver because they get commission on every case they deliver. And um, so, but is their base salary the same though? That's what they found out. It wasn't. Mm. So the guy that was making less was like, well, why is my base salary 7,000 less than, I forget the guy's name. And they went to HR together. And the HR guy's like, he's like, what's, what's the actor's name with the skateboard? James, uh, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, hey, young Steve fellas, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hello, fellow kids. Yeah. That, that's what he's like. I mean, he's old as fuck, but he, you know, he's got this young swoop haircut. Like I remember, I walked in there and was like, "Hey, can you tell me who the HR guy is?" He's like, oh, "It's me." I'm like, he's like flipping his hair. I'm like, "Hey, what's up?" But no, like, um, and then they, they were like, they they all just like we quit. So they were like, if we don't all have the same base then that's not fair because we all had the, pretty much the same experience. Yeah. And you didn't hire us because of our experience. You hired us because you needed bodies in the warehouse mm-hmm. and driving the trucks. And it was a big deal. So they had to bump everybody at the same. And then and the guy that was making the most on these base was like, I want more too. Let's bump everybody up. I mean, they ended up having to pay a shitload of money. I think that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's the only way you're going to get fair wages from companies, you know, is by, by having those discussions. Yeah, and like, so they, one guy was leaving and he's been there for 20 something years. Right. Mm -hmm. It was time to retire. And, uh, he came back from his Tommy John's Tommy John surgery. Right. And then he was talking to somebody and they were like, Hey, uh, we need you on the truck. Mm -hmm. And they was like, I just came back from surgery. I've only been back a week and a half. I'm not getting on a fucking truck. Like they're like, well, can you, what can you do? He's like, this is from my doctor. This is a legal thing you have to follow. And I'm not doing anything. I'm going to be in the warehouse helping the picker run his, uh, what's the thing called? Forklift. And uh, he's like, that's what I'm doing. Or I'm sitting at that desk into that phone. That's about it. And that, so the big thing, HR calls, HR calls him, hey, you know, the company really, really needs you. Uh-huh. Man. Hey, we're we a need, family here. We need, you yeah. to step, we need you to step up. And he called me five minutes after he did this. He walked over to the HR guy and he goes, you know what? Fuck you. I quit. Fuck this company. I don't, I will fuck the new company owners. All y'all can go to hell. Uh, my last check that I get from here better have all my stuff on there or I'm suing you guys. And he walked out. He started walking down fucking Lamar. Okay. <laughs> That's where the warehouse is. Baller. Like, yeah. He you not have a car? Well, he was in his company car. Oh. Yeah. It's a, it's a cooler effect if you walk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he called, I saw him, he calls me like, like five, 10 minutes later. He's like, Hey, what's up? I was like, can you come pick me up? <laughs> no, I, was in, I was in my work car. So there's no way I could have. Um, and he was like, I quit. What do you mean you quit? You only had two more, three more months to go. And you would have gotten, he's like, fuck them. Me and my wife have enough savings and this and that. I went, you know what? Fuck them. I was like, well, good for he you. He probably got to go home and yelled at you. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> but, man, he, he would, and that's the thing. He was doing anything and everything the company needed. I mean, this guy, he doesn't want to train me, right? He was like, no, you can't make it look like that. Make it look better. I'm like, fucking old motherfucker. Yes, sir. And uh, he uh, he's like, I'm just going to teach you the best way. And then th- you take it from there. And he mm-hmm. shows me, you know, and he left. He's like, fuck this place. Mm. I don't know. So how did you get started in music? 
I always loved music. When I was like three or four, I think there's a picture of me as a baby, like banging on pots and pans with uh, with spatulas. So I always, you know, I remember as a kid, like paying close attention to songs. And um, um, I don't know. Yeah, it was always something I connected with. And it actually took me a long time to figure out that I was kind of weird in that way, that like not everybody um, was kind of locked in like that way to music. Um, but yeah. And then I, I started doing uh, percussion in mm-hmm. school, like playing the timpani and the snare drum, the xylophone. And, uh, from there bought a drum kit and, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's actually uh, the only instrument I can legit play is the drums. Oh, okay. Um, and when I went to college, I couldn't bring my kit because uh, you can't have one in the dorm room. And that's kind of when I got a cracked copy of Ableton live and sort of taught myself how to do music production. Oh, okay. So who were some of your influences growing up? Um, I listened to a lot of Christian music growing up. Mm-hmm. So when I was younger, my parents were a little more strict on that. And so it was a lot of like DC talk and um, newsboys and sort of the like late 90s um, Christian music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that actually had like a lasting influence on me in a weird way. And that like a lot of the music I make now has a sort of um, ethereal like I guess like spiritual, like a yeah. transcendent quality to it. Mm-hmm. Like I really connect with that, that type of music. Um, but I guess, uh, you know, bands like, like, uh, animal collective, uh, there's a guy named Fortet from the UK. Who's a DJ. I really like uh, music that has like a atmosphere, like a lot of texture to it. So, yeah, the song you were, the, the set you did for that radio station, mm-hmm. that's exactly what it is. What you just said, like a lot of, content to it like and the one kind of sounding and it sounded really good thank you thanks i was like oh hell yeah that's cool shit i love when um one part i like about djing is just like when it's difficult sort of to tell when one song is ending and another is beginning um and that's i think like the marker of a really good dj which i'm working to become but probably i'm not yet is when you're not even sure when that song has ended and another one started Mm. and a lot of times i think the magic in a DJ set is when there are two songs that are overlapping. Um, you've taken two pieces of music, but you've combined them and filtered out different frequencies to create basically something new. That's two different songs smashed together. You know, um, you know, Jordan Rogers. No, he he's, he's a genius and he, um, he, he's a producer, also a DJ. Mm-hmm. He does everything, man. Like, yeah, he actually did the theme song for our uh, <laughs> podcast. Oh, cool. Yeah. He said it took him like five hours to do it and he's just done with it. Wow. I was like, damn. I was like, all right. He's a local guy? Yeah. Okay, cool. How'd you get hooked up with body, body work? Um, I did a release through Future Everything. Um, uh, Chemist is like a, a big, probably one of the, the best DJs in town, I would say. And um, I would always go to see him when I could. And so he is a member of Bodywork, and I kind of got to know the other members of Bodywork through um, through him. So it's pretty cool. It's like a like a super team of, of you know four DJs in in Memphis, and they're doing really well. What yeah. is Bodywork? <clears throat> so I saw that they were playing. This is like a couple months ago. I saw they were playing that Silly Goose, and I was like, oh, cool. oh, Bodywork's a group. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, it's okay. a group of four DJs, and, um, and they all met on WYXR. That's, so they're all, I think they all have their own show mm. on that radio channel. And now they kind of, um, it's like a DJ collective that, that does shows around town. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And like they, um, they were playing there and I went to go listen to it and it was a completely different sound. It's not your typical, you know, 
Young Doll for this or that. You know, it's just like different music. And everybody was having a great time. Yeah. I was like, this is cool as shit, man. And I started, and someone, I asked, I can't remember who it was. I asked who the, who the performer was. And they were like, oh, this is new guys. And, you know, they gave me the card. I was like, oh, shit, hell yeah. And I started following them and stuff. But yeah, they've, they've gotten really big really quick. Yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I go to any of their stuff when I can. Um, I had I got to do a show with Ross of Bodywork at Silly Goose uh, this summer. It was a lot of fun. Maybe I was, I think I was there. Yeah. Maybe that's the show I went to. Or I was, because we, we used to go to Goose a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> and, you know, we were just thinking there one day, like, Okay, it's gonna be the same shit. Let's just go somewhere else, you know. Yeah. Like, so you start going to like barware and stuff, and that's not being fun. And you know, but I just love when DJs come through. I want to go see uh, Wicked the Instigator on Friday night, mm-hmm. and I I don't know what the fuck was going on, but <laughs> the venue didn't promote it at all. And you know, it's not just the person performing's job to promote the show, right? It's every, you know, like you, you post, they post, whatever. You want as many people as there as you can get because it's just more, a better vibe and more energy and bar sales are going up and, you know, everyone's having a good time. They're going to be talking about it. Oh, let's go canvas again. You know, well, that DJ was fun. Let's go watch this guy. I got there. There was five people in that place and he's a really well-known DJ. Yeah. I was me Three other people back there, like uh, on the dance floor, and two bartenders. And I was like, "Well, I'm, I'm gonna have a good time. I'm already here now. I'm not yeah. gonna leave, you know." Because I thought maybe they were gonna come, but they ended up going to Rafers. I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> like, yeah, because yeah. wasn't that the plan? Yeah, we were originally supposed to go see him. Yeah, because I hit him up like on Wednesday of last week. I was like, "Hey, man, you want to go see Wicked?" He's like, oh, "I didn't know he was playing in town." And I was like, yeah, he's playing a canvas and let's go. And he's like, all right. And then like, we, I ended up going, thinking they were behind us and they're at Rayford. I'm like, fuck. All right. Well, I mean, I've seen him before though. He's good. Like I saw him. That, that's when I first saw Jordan Rogers, uh, spin was at high tone. That was like 2013 or something like that. But it's kind of like, you didn't even know. He, it's like, he didn't even notice how, how few people were there. Cause he was still, he was, he was going ham he was yeah. jumping up and down. You know, he was having a good time. That's cool. So like I've been producing for like a decade, but I've only DJed like a handful of shows over the past year. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them have been that vibe. It's, you know, maybe like a Tuesday night and there's not a lot of people or whatever. But I always try and think like I'm getting paid to play songs I like, mm. you know, I'm having and a get good better time. at what yeah, you want to exactly, get better at. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. the more you, pr- the more shows you do, the more comfortable you get That's in right. it. And then, you know. It just get better and better and better. Yeah. That's a good way of looking at it. I think yeah, like, sometimes I think like, numbers like masses are not everything and it may be the one person who may set you off that mm-hmm. may be in that there that night or yeah, like true. know somebody or share your story or share that they were there and then people follow that person now so it's yeah, not so, always some a of my gauge. favorite sets i've been to mostly like the bodywork crew is you know it's really intimate like it's a small venue but a bunch of people packed in there it's yeah. not a ton of people um but it can be a lot more fun that way mm-hmm. yeah yeah, so sometimes I guess it's numbers aren't everything, man. And we all got to start at one eventually. I mean, if you're going to start anything, it starts at one. But yeah, he's a talented DJ, man. He's super talented. And we had him on here. He's a really nice guy, too. But uh, 
my DJ controller is like one step up from like a Fisher Price. You know, it's <laughs> no, it's like not. Plastic Shut gear. up! No, 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 no way! It's not a nice one. I don't think your guys are gonna let you go out like that, man. Okay, like, you don't need a lot. <laughs> no, um, I've seen like so when I was looking for this thing right here on mm-hmm. Amazon, I came across a lot of like little DJ decks and stuff like that, or whatever yeah. it's called, or controllers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like there was one that was like probably this big. I'm oh, sorry, no, you know, it was like this normal size, but like it didn't have much on it. But like everyone was like, this thing is perfect. On the reviews, is like, really? I, I just always see like these boards of like DJs performing and stuff, and this got all like kinds of different knobs and shit. And this one had like three knobs and like two other things or five. Yeah, yeah. I was like, damn, I guess that's all you really need. So, what does your setup look like? Um, it's a it's a controller like that that's USB powered, so I can just bring my laptop, mm-hmm. uh, the controller, some headphones, and a USB stick, and that's it. Which is nice because, you know, I grew up playing the drums. Yeah. Like hauling that stuff back yeah. and forth from shows. Um, so, yeah, you, you don't need that much. And a lot of the um, DJ software stuff is free. Mm. Um, the CDJs, you know, like the, the, that the pros use, those are a lot a lot more pricey. That's Pioneer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've played on those before but don't have a ton of experience. So I'd love to, I'd love to get more into that. Have you had any mishaps during any of your shows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At the Silly Goose show, um, so there's two, like, main... There's Serato and then Recordbox. Mm-hmm. They're kind of the two of the main softwares. And all my stuff was set up on Serato. That's what I practice on and play on. And I showed up with my USB stick and it was a Recordbox setup. Oh. So none of the data, like the um, kind of like marker points yeah. or even the tempos or like the waveforms came through. Um, so I was just blending totally blind. Damn. Uh, didn't sound great, yeah. But I came out of the booth and literally no one knew. So that was. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I would say right now, no man. Saying, you yeah, know, it's all good. You guys know the mistakes because you guys are the pros. You know, yeah. but like for us, just oh, that sounds good, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 More, yeah. more. It's about what songs you select. You know, yeah. I mean, most people aren't like nitpicking your transitions. Yeah. How long are y'all playing for on average? I've done like a four-hour set. Yeah, um, that's probably the longest. When I first started out, I would plan pretty methodically, like. I would practice blends and like, okay, this is my set, you know? Um, but when you get into like three or four hour sets, you can't do that, mm. which is kind of fun because you're just, you know, that's what they're doing with the headphones is they're listening to the next song. And I'm, I'm frantically kind of scrolling through and trying to figure out what's a good song that I can slowly fade in over the one that's playing now. Um, I really like to, to like in a DJ set, kind of like that body work guest mix you talked mm-hmm. about of trying to blend like older music with more modern music. Mm. Um, I just, it's a fun challenge because the production is so different. Um, and I like to use a bunch of effects. So instead of always like DJing where I'm matching the beat with every single transition, turn up the delay and make things a little bit psychedelic and make things, you know, throw people for a loop for a second and then you slowly fade in the next song. So in other words, it doesn't have to be a constant, Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, for for four hours, there can be a little bit of chaos and a little bit of um, maybe moments during the set where there's not a beat. Mm, damn. Have you done the thing where <clears throat> I've seen this on TikTok and a little on Instagram, where like a, a DJ or a producer will go to like Goodwill and they'll find with a DVD. I mean, not the DVDs, but the CDs are or whatever, or and they'll just grab three random ones and then mesh them and make it like a cool little beat or video with it or music with it. That's cool. I've never done that. Yeah. I saw that. I was like, this is cool. I mean, this guy was just picking random stuff, you know, mm-hmm. he walks in and boom, that, that, oh, that looks cool. That, mm-hmm. and some of it's vinyl they do it with. And I'm like, Damn, this is fucking impressive, man. 
Yeah, sampling is is fun, and I think uh, it's a challenge to, you know, you're only going to get sued if you're making generally if you're making money off your music, but um, you know, trying to to mangle a sample so that it's unrecognizable and really turn it into something new rather than just taking like a four bar loop from a song, you're you're chopping it up or you're reversing it or pitching it or you're adding effects and um, you're turning it basically into your own thing. Mm. That's a fun challenge. Yeah, that's uh, that's impressive, which I'll do. Like, how empowering is it to feel to make people move with music? It's cool. It's fun. I think, uh, like, we were talking about, like, the kind of crowd interplay yeah. in a set. And I think after a year of, of doing a little, you know, a couple of different sets, I'm finally starting to get that sort of sense. Mm-hmm. Where if I'm playing a song and I look out in the room and I can just tell maybe this this is not hidden. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get off of this vibe and, and bring in something different. And, um, yeah, I think being able to read the audience is something that like veteran DJs are really good at. So, uh, do you want to start doing like festivals and stuff like that? I don't know. I wish I had gotten into DJing a long time ago. Honestly, it pays way better than music production. Oh, does it really? Yeah. yeah. Is it easier? I would say so, but I mean, it's not easy, um, yeah. but it is a kind of like you guys were saying, it's a skill set or a practice that sort of, um, informs production. Mm-hmm. So if I'm DJing, um, I'm thinking about intros and outros and like, okay, this section just has drums. This is a good, this is a good time to fade in the next song. And then when I'm in the studio writing a song, Mm -hmm. um, I think about that experience. And so it's like, okay, well, I'm going to put just a drum section on the end of my song because I know the next time I DJ, it'll be easier to sort of blend out of that. So do you do everything on your own or do you collab with anybody else? Um, I like to collaborate. I've released two, three, four EPs, mm-hmm. just solo stuff. Uh, the most recent one is called Spring Final. It came out early this year on Alpha Pup Records, um, which I'm really proud of. Yeah, that's it. But I've collaborated with Don Lifted. Um, I produced a couple tracks on his last record. And um, uh, there's an artist named Santir. I've worked with him a little bit. I really want to work with more Memphis artists, yeah, especially bands, you know, mm. singer-songwriters and bands. I think it'd be really fun a fun challenge to sort of remix or work with. Um, I'm not a good singer. Yeah. So, you know, production, a lot of people don't listen to just instrumental music. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons dance and electronic is, is well suited for me because it is typically instrumental. Yeah. But I would love to produce or kind of work with more, more Memphis artists. We had a Johnny Maestro on here on Wednesday, I think. Yeah. Wednesday. It's a Chris Johnson and, Mike sweep, Swoop, Mike Swoop, Swoop, yeah, Sweep, it's Sweep, it's Sweep, and uh, they were talking about how like that's the problem sometimes with Memphis. A lot of people don't want to work together. Mm-hmm. They're like, because I even know like back in the day, Triple Six used to talk about like you we're from a city that loves to hate, you know, all this sort of shit. But like, I think if more people collab together, I mean, everybody can eat. So I don't know why so many people are so like, oh, I'm in my pocket, you stay in your lane. Yeah, it can be a little clicky here. Yeah, which is like, weird because it's a small pond compared to a lot of other big music. Exactly, players. man. It's just like you know, work together and you strengths and numbers. I totally agree. So that'd be awesome if you could start working with more people. Who's somebody in Memphis you want to work with? There's a um, couple of bands. Uh, Ibex Clone is one of my favorite bands in Memphis. There's a band called Etta Havoc that's a new jazz band. Um, and I'd love to work with, there's a singer songwriter named Bailey Bigger that you guys probably have heard of. She's pretty successful. It's kind of more roots, uh, folk stuff. Okay. And I just think that's a fun challenge is to take the electronic music world 
but sample or sort of like use those elements of um, tradi- more traditional instruments. Mm. Uh, my favorite electronic music isn't really like super digital sounding techno. It's more like uh, music that combines the digital world with that sort of, you know, guitars, pianos, like a uh, live bass, stuff like that, where it's a sort of hybrid of those two musical styles, I guess. Interesting. I wanted to have a human touch. Like I like mm-hmm. electronic music that has some, um, like mistakes, you know, and some natural sounds. So yeah. you don't like dubstep then? I mean, it's fine. It's fine. It's not my go-to. <laughs> yeah, it's not your go-to. Yeah. Yeah. I never played dubstep in one of my sets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> there were some when it first started coming out. It was pretty, you know. I was mm-hmm. like, oh this, oh, this is badass. I like this. You know, the loop is good. The riff is good. I'm like, yeah, this is pretty cool, man. And then now it's just, eh, 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 <laughs> you know, it's like I was like, fuck, I can't listen to this shit. Yeah, let me go back to my t- Tiesto trance and call it a day. You yeah, know? Like, yeah. But like. It's just it's so much. It's just continually evolving, you know. Like all all the, all the genres of music are, mm-hmm. especially especially like uh, country pop. Like you know, that's that's so massive now. Mm-hmm. Like it's just taken over. Yeah, that's. I think if you're going to make money in production, which has never been something I've experienced really, uh, you're producing for like a you know a top forty artist or. Um, and then sometimes those producers, like there's a, a house DJ or a house producer named Fred again that just dropped an album this week. And he, you know, his whole career has been producing for people like Ed Sheeran and like top 40 pop stars, but no one, you know, knew his name except maybe people in the industry. Mm. But then that sort of is a springboard for him to now launch like a successful solo career. Um, so I think that is a path for like um, stability or like, you know, actually making a living in music, which is pretty tough to do. Um, but if you can if you can have an in um, and find success as a producer kind of behind the boards, then I think you have more chances to make it like as a solo artist. So would you want your music to be more like on commercial or movies or even TV? I would I would love to do a score. Yeah. Um, a couple of years ago, Vice reached out to me and used a couple of my songs. Oh, that's in a awesome. Series yeah. They did. And that was cool. Um, it was music I had written like years before. Mm-hmm. And they said, we like your stuff. We want to we want to buy you know, the, the right to play it on our show. That's legit. But it would be really cool to receive like the visual and to like write um, a score or a piece oh, of music specifically yeah. for it. It's kind of like how John Williams does it for like Star Wars and mm-hmm. stuff. Like he's watching them. Exactly. And, and, yeah. and they're writing it as they're watching it. I would love to be able to do That'd that. That'd be cool yeah. as shit. Um, I make mad beats is another dude that uh, he founded like unapologetic here in town. And I know he does some scoring and, um, and he's really up on the um, placements. So like, some of his artists have been on like a Gillette commercial or, um, wow. you know, the, the business side of it is something where I, I know I could like, um, I'd like to continue to improve on that side. Well, you got to be careful though with sample based music, you know, like Why if, is that? because you get into like copyright problems. Oh, and, okay. 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 Um, yeah. Why do people still put on their Facebook statuses when they post a song? I do not own the rights to this music. <laughs> Every time I see that, I just want to delete the person out of my Facebook. I'm just like, you <laughs> I was like, man, you people. I did see something, <clears throat> not on Facebook, but I think YouTube. Aren't they going to not stop demonetizing people that are playing, like, published music? I think they're going to be able to make money off it. And the artist is going to make money off it, too, now. So you're talking about, like, a live stream DJ? Like that's No, like, say, like, you, like, have a song in your background of your show or your mm-hmm. video or something like that. And they'll take it down the flag it for, you know, copyright. Mm-hmm. Something I saw that they're going to stop doing that now and people can make money off the other people's music. Because I, I don't know, I look at it as like 
you're just giving more eyeballs and ears to that person's music. So why would you take it down? Yeah. Especially somebody's not making money off it. Like I know shit gets flagged a lot and it's like, like uh, this is copyright, you know, how to strike against you or whatever. But it's like, if you're not trying to profit off it or I, I, I look at it like a commercial, right? you know, cause every time I hear a commercial, I, there's a song I like, I always Shazam it. I'm like, what the fuck is that song? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm hearing that song and now I'm, you know, going to listen to that person now. I don't know. I just, I look at it from a different lens. I look at it as publicity, not you're trying to steal the person's work. But Yeah. The copyright laws can be kind of harsh on that stuff. Like you have to, what is it? Fair use. Mm-hmm. There's different ways to sort of like, um, as long as you're not, I think trying to make a profit off of the use of the song. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a tricky, that's a tricky one. So what is your process when you write a song? Um, sometimes I'll start with a sample. Mm-hmm. Like I've got a whole, um, playlist on my Apple music. That's just like sample this and I'll, you know, I'll be listening to stuff. So it's like digital crate digging. Like I don't go to record stores. I don't yeah. really have a record player, but I'm listening to a bunch of playlists and like, um, finding little things that maybe I could take a bit of this song and a bit of this song. Other times I'll start with like drums or, um, one thing I like to do is just use my, uh, like voice memo app and get little field recordings like from my life, like a little, like the sound of like a broken washing machine or, um, I've gotten, you know, cicadas or, um, a waterfall or, you know, and then try and use that audio in a song. So Mm -hmm. sort of start with that texture and give the, um, the, the piece of music, like a sense of place and environment. Mm. Um, and, and it's cool because a lot of that stuff has a natural fundamental frequency. So like on my last record, I was trying to take sounds earth sounds um and start there so instead of like making a song and then going to search for samples of crack crackling leaves or whatever i would start with the sound of the sample like the earthy sound and then okay try and tune it and then figure out like what what note what's the what's the note that's running through this frequency and then let me write a song around that sample if that makes sense it does that sounds like a very very tedious and <laughs> job man like i know you love it uh-huh. obviously that's why you're doing it but like it sounds like a lot of work yeah it is and it can be pretty lonely i think that's why i like collaboration because especially if you work a desk job and you're staring at a computer and then you're coming home and you're doing production you're sitting and you're staring at yeah. you know it's, it's it's solitary um it's really rewarding but i really like collaboration for that reason um and i think it's important sometimes making digital music to get out of the box. So instead of just looking at the screen, you know, a lot of people will use um, analog hardware. So stuff like this, that, that you know, knobs and it switches and um, it doesn't have a screen. Yeah. And I just recently got my first hardware, like analog synthesizer and it's fun. Like it, it takes me back to playing the drums where I'm not looking at a series of like colorful rectangles that are all lined up on a grid. I'm just, I'm just listening to the sound of what I'm doing with my hands. So I think sometimes it's valuable to just press record and then go to town and, and mistakes and all, but you've got that, you've captured that sort of first attempt at something. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of times where the good stuff is. So is making music therapeutic for you? Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Was it Chris Johnson that told us on Friday? Or was it Mike that said, um, you just listen and that's how you learn? Mm-hmm. Like Chris, that's or, how he learned how to play guitar. Yeah. <clears throat> he taught himself how to play guitar by just listening to what he was doing mm-hmm. and then boom, next thing you know, he's playing it, you know? Yeah. One thing I try and do is take notes. Like if, uh, if I'm working on a release and I know kind of generally what sound I want to, um, 
achieve. And maybe it's influenced by a couple artists I like. I'll listen to that, those artists, and I'll just take notes on my phone. You know, um, muffled snare sounds. Uh, there's no shaker or no hi-hats for this sound. Or, and then I've, I've just got like a, you know, a sheet of basically a guide to mm-hmm. how to kind of create that sound. But it's not, it's, it's influence. It's not stealing because like inevitably when I try and produce something with those guidelines, it's still, still me. Yeah. Like it still comes out as me, but it's, it's influenced by um, artists I like. And I think I, I like influence a lot. I like finding an artist, listening to them, reading interviews with them, seeing who they're into, and then going back, tracing that back. And I can hear how the artist that I like was influenced by this previous artist. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, that is cool, man. I'm going to get me a drum set. What do you think about that? <laughs> do you still play drums? Uh, poorly when I'm at Rayford's. <laughs> yeah, so definitely. I saw a guy definitely. playing them on Friday. <laughs> I forgot all about that. Now. Yeah. No, man. Rayford's, Rayford's is a spot that I we used to go. I, well, we were much older than you, and we used to go to the one on Wagner, I think. Mm-hmm. Like where it's the weekend now. Where it's the weekend now. And like we used to go there all the time. You know, same vibes, same everything. I haven't been to the new one that much, but I've been to that probably like four or five times since she's since Paula has been there. It's fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And like that was like so Budweiser went from forty ounce bottles nationwide to thirty twos only. And that was a big thing for her because she used to sell the forties, remember? Yeah. And you'd get the forty Bud Light from her. And uh like she was like, no, I need forties, and you're like, well, they don't make them anymore. Like, we can get, we can order, we can try to order a thousand, and they still won't make them for you for us. And a thousand cases, and like you know, and like it was a big thing. But now everyone's just used to drinking the thirty twos again. But Edward thirty two hands doesn't, doesn't make doesn't sense. It rate. doesn't make sense. <laughs> Edward forty hands is the way it is. I know. Yeah. It, I mean, that's just, well. I remember one year, my buddy and I, Nick, after one of our fights, we uh, went to the after party and. Uh, we decided to do Edward 40 hands uh-huh. and he, I mean, I don't know what he was thinking. He's like, I'm going to beat you. I'm like, no, you're not dude. Like I'm already halfway done with mine and we just don't have done talking yet. Like, <laughs> Yeah. You gotta be uh they're, they're pretty um, vigilant. The uh, security guard at Rayford's like, if you bring, if you try and bring a 32 ounce glass bottle on the dance floor, hand on the gun, he's like, don't do it. Oh, well, really? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> but they watch, they watch closely. Yeah. Yeah. They're, um, yeah, that's one. That's one club. But there's no free getting in. Oh no, it's like fifteen twenty dollars. Yeah, these uh, are really. Yeah, Damn. I remember the night that we went. Um, it was twenty five, or no, it was. That's stupid. I want to think it, we live in Memphis. I need to ask Nick, but I want to say it was forty bucks. And I was like, I'm not paying for it all. Yeah. And he's like, Well, we kind of have to go in there. And I was like, I can't remember if it was Nick or not, but I was like. And then the person that we were with said they were paying for us and they didn't pay for us. And I had to pay for me and, yeah. me and him. That's why you see Paula driving around in the Range Rover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's wild that they charge that much to get in that yeah. place. Man. You're paying for the experience, I think. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have anything, any shows planned coming up? Um, not, not currently. I've been doing like a DJ set maybe once a month. I've been playing Young Avenue Deli. I've done the High Tone um, I've done lamp lighter. Um, so I, I like those sets because it's like a low key, like weekday set. Mm. Um, and it's usually not like everyone's coming to watch me and, and, um, it gives you a little more freedom cause you know, you can kind of sneak in some weird, yeah. weird stuff. Uh, if you're not the center of attention. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I, you know, once a month, typically like at young Avenue deli and, um, the body work dudes, I think are kind of taking a break, but I'm hoping to play some shows with them in the future. I didn't know he had DJs up at Young Avenue Deli. It's something they just started over mm-hmm. the summertime because my boy Curtis that has the Midtown route yeah. as the on-premise rep. He was talking about going to come see some DJ one night. I was like, man, I'm not coming out on fucking Wednesday. Like, it was probably him. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Yeah. And I think it's they started like maybe beginning of summer, like right around May or something like that is when mm-hmm. they started doing it. And they're they're even more busy now than they ever were when we used to go up there all the time. Mm. How are you getting your name out there? I think uh, I didn't have an Instagram for like Night Park for a long time. And yeah. I, I slept on that for a long time. I think going to people's shows and showing support and, you know, not in a way that's um, like cynical or like that I'm trying to um, take advantage of people, but like just going out, meeting people, um, talking to other artists and showing support is a big thing. Sharing other people's posts and their work. Um, and I think it helps too. like once you play a couple gigs, then people see you as a DJ or they mm. see you as like, if once you release some music on a label, all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's, it seems more legitimate. Yeah. Um, so it's a bit of a snowball effect where I feel like at the, at the beginning, it's the hardest to sort of prove that like, this is what I do. I'm good at it. You know, once people start paying you to do it, then it, you know, it comes across, I think is more legit. Yeah. But I don't, you know, I, I'm not great at that part. Uh, but I like to keep it like light, uh, like mix up my self promotion on Instagram with a little bit of like shit posting. Um, and I like to like give little yeah. glimpses into the process too. Um, like, so if I do something cool with the sample, uh, maybe post like the process of, oh, okay. of how I did that. Yeah. Yeah. Jo- Jordan does that with some of the stuff he's writing. Mm-hmm. Like <clears throat> sometimes he'll just write like four or five songs. Like if you say he has like a big set to play somewhere, like a festival or something, yeah. he'll write, he told me because I asked him about it what he was what he was doing that for, and this was like a month ago. He's like, oh, "I'm playing this festival. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but like it's a pretty big deal for me, man." I was like, oh, "That's awesome, bro! Congrats!" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm trying to write like f- four or five songs before on my own, and then I can mix them in, you know." Yeah. Oh, that's fucking badass. Yeah, it's a cool thing about DJing too when you also produce because you can sort of road test your um, like I've played demos before in a DJ set mm-hmm. and. I'm I'm thinking as I'm hearing it coming through that system, like that bass is a little weak or like kick drum's got to be louder or you're sort of getting to test out your demo on a huge, nice sound system. Yeah. And then the next day you can go back to the the studio and fix that. And when I say the studio, I mean like my guest bedroom. Where <laughs> <laughs> Look at your wife. Two things you need to get him. A pioneer. What is it called? Uh, CDJ, CDJ. Yeah. That's Christmas and mm-hmm. his birthday. A studio. I like that. I like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. How did you come up with your name? I have no idea. I don't remember. It was simple. Uh, it didn't mean anything. Mm. But I do think with like art, a lot of times you do something like it kind of comes from your subconscious, and yeah. you just, and then like later you map meaning onto yeah. it. So I, I don't know what Night Park means. Uh, people have have said it sounds like an '80s cop show. Oh, okay. You know? Ooh, it does. <laughs> that was not my intention. But I don't know. I don't know. I like um, I like being outside. Mm. Like that does something for me. Like when it's nice weather, I want to be outside. And um, I think that like works its way into my music a lot through field recordings or like my latest releases kind of a, about um, kind of what we're doing to the planet. So I think about that a lot. And I think like um, my experiences like outside have a lot to do with my music. Um, like my favorite setting to listen to music is riding a bike. 
like that, just that sense of motion. Mm. Uh, I like riding the green line and, and, you know, having my headphones in or like listening to a mix. So yeah, I don't know for me, music and, and being outside are, are pretty tightly connected. Yeah. Cause your music to me sounded, it brought me back to like psychedelic experiences. Yeah. Cause you know, a lot of that is, is very uh, grounded. Like it's uh, tribal. Well, yeah, like, especially like some of the ceremonies I've done, it's kind of like chanting music and like, uh, you just feel like in nature and that's what they usually say. You should do psychedelics in nature. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of vibe I got when I listened to your, your songs. Yeah. I think I was heavily influenced by like in my like pivotal, like, you know, high school, college years, mm-hmm. like the psychedelic pop stuff. Where, yeah. Um, it's catchy, like it's got a beat, but it's it's a little odd, or like they're they're experimenting with sound in a way that maybe on first listen is a little like disorienting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I like that stuff where, like I said, it exists in a sound world and it's kind of swirling around you, and um, it's not you know one two three and then we play the song. It's um, it's sort of like existing within a world of sounds. So th- there's like an element of sound design that I really enjoy. Now, do you see sounds or do you see music inside your head? Like, I've heard some people say that. Like, I know Pharrell, so I think he sees color. Mm. I think when I'm, like, working on music, I definitely, when I, I like to, like, I pay attention to album artwork and I really want to nail, like, I, that's not something that um, I do flippantly. Mm-hmm. And I definitely have very explicit colors in mind with, like, a set of songs. Like, this is this is a green. Oh, wow. Green set okay. Of yeah, that's interesting right there. Probably to the annoyance of the graphic design. <laughs> yeah. Man, when you have a passion and you have an idea, you want it to be out there. Like, And I love like um, when you have an idea and you can pass it off to somebody else and they put your vision. Mm-hmm. The same thing. Like like when I first came up with the original logo, like I, I didn't like it, but I needed something. And like I was like, man, let me, I told my buddy, I was like, hey, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. And he ended up not doing it. I got that done on Fiverr. But then this other one that I did, I like. I told this guy, "Hey, I want this," and it's cool. It's like he put it exactly what I was thinking in my head. That's why sometimes I like collaboration because you give someone the description of kind of what you've got in your head, and then they do something that you love, but it's never what you would have done. Yeah. Or you never would have thought to do it that way. Um, so yeah, with like I try and like I pay out of pocket for album artwork. Like I, I'll find a local artist and I want to work with people who. And, you know, we'll go back and forth on different drafts. And that, that's an important part of it to me. Yeah. I mean, because that's what you're putting out there for the world to see, too. Mm-hmm. And you have to have, you have to, you know, you're paying, technically you're hiring them. So you're paying them, right? Yeah. So it kind of has to be what you want and not just what they want to draw. I mean, not draw, but, you know, create for you. Yeah. Like, you know, like, hey, yeah. I, I kind of like that. Because I did notice some of the stuff on Fiverr, like I was looking for something and they were like, oh, we'll give one. Um, revision, revision, and then some had zero. Re- you know, just one. Oh, that's yeah. I was like, how are you gonna? How are you gonna? How are you gonna? Well, get on Fiverr, you're getting what you're paying for, man. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I think I paid fifty bucks for that first logo, yeah. and I, like tipped like maybe like ten bucks, and somebody from a, another country too, because they were on different time zone, mm. like completely different time zone. And um, but yeah, you get what you pay for on those type of things. Yeah, our friend uses a couple of guys from the Philippines to do all his editing mm-hmm. for um, his company. And um, he said, he kind of wishes they lived here. He, be, <laughs> he wouldn't be paying the same price. <laughs> yeah, well, that. yeah. And then he was like, you know, because they're so good. And he's like, man, I've tried so many people. He's like, he's like, I think he's tried like 10 different editors or something like that, mm-hmm. or video editors. And they just don't have the, what he's looking like. You know, like, this is what he wants. And this is what they're giving, you know. 
He yeah. wants an apple to draw on a banana or whatever. You know, like it's just completely off. It's a, it's an experiment to collaboration. I mean, there have been times when I've really liked someone's work and approached them and we try and work on something and it just doesn't, the vibe is not there. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I would say too, like artists are not known for being the most um, organized, prompt professional. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. working with other artists can be a trip too. Yeah. Like, um, having to sort of, you know, all right, there's a deadline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, I need this today. Not yeah. yeah. Whenever not, you're ready. Not the strong suit of most artists. Yeah. So, myself included. But. <laughs> Maybe that's what makes them so creative though, that they're so free. Yeah. Just head in the clouds. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. Making a business out of the art is like something I didn't really think about. Mm-hmm. Like I just have to do it because I love music so much that I have to create it. But as I get older and have more responsibilities, like I have had to think about that part more. Um, and, you know, that's a, that's a separate skill set, I guess, that I've kind of had to learn. And um, the music part comes more naturally to mm. me. But then you start to ask yourself, like, why am I spending all this time doing this? Like, do I want people to hear it or just my, my little group of friends and family? Well, if mm-hmm. I want people to hear it, then I've got to send emails to labels. I've got to, like, promote myself. I've got to you know, tr- put on the entrepreneur hat a little bit and, and do the self-promotion. Yeah. And I think a lot of artists are a little like uncomfortable doing that. Do you, uh, like when you first started, were you kind of apprehensive for putting yourself out there because of critique or just for you sure. know, feeling naked in front of people? Yeah. I still feel that way. Really? I mean, when I play my own music in a DJ set, I get self-conscious. I'm like, Oh, the drums aren't hitting as, as much as the last track or, you know, I'm, I'm very self-critical yeah. of my own stuff. But people have pointed out, like, I'm not that critical of other art. Mm. Um, you know, kind of what I was saying with my DJ set, where, like, yeah. everything went wrong and the transitions were bad. And I came out of the booth, like, feeling kind of bad about it. And literally no one knew what I was talking about. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think also, like, the more you put yourself out there and get some positive feedback, not just from friends and family, but strangers. Mm. Yeah. That's a really affirming, like, that's telling you, okay, you're on the right path. Like, people are connecting with what you're doing. And that's not why you do it, but it, it kind of gives you fuel to like continue to do it. I think. Yeah, we are generally our worst critic, man. Because yeah. like, there's this whole thing that they talk about. Like, they have people draw a picture of a stranger, and the stranger would draw the person in the most high light way of looking at the person, but the person would describe themselves in the worst way. <laughs> and it's like you know, and we're with ourselves so much. Yeah. So that's why you're like, "Fuck, man, I'm not doing this right." I'm not, and then other people are like, "You're doing great, man." Yeah. And I, I mean, sometimes like, you need just to don't hear. say that part out loud. You're putting it into their head. <laughs> yeah. You know? They weren't thinking that. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you need to be critical of yourself, but not to the point where you're beating yourself up. Exactly. Yeah. And I think too, I think like anybody that puts their stuff out, you got to have some kind of ego because you're like, Hey man, my shit's good enough. I want people to hear it. Yeah. But I think nothing's wrong with having an ego, but like this one guy once said, he's like, you can have an ego, but you have to justify why you have that ego. Mm-hmm. You got to back it up. Yeah. So yeah, it's awesome that you're uh, you're doing your shit and it's getting out there for people to hear, man. I think you know being a part of a community is really exciting and producing, like I said, kind of by myself in my room, not releasing much music. Um, my first like, um, I guess, an aha moment for me was seeing Chemist and Struly, mm-hmm. who uh, is one of the label heads for Future Everything, um, DJing at Canvas a couple of years ago. And like it was packed, everyone was moving, and I was having fun, and I was just watching them. And thinking, I can do this. Like, mm-hmm. I want to do this, and I think I can do this. I've been producing by myself, but this is like the social, this is the payoff. Yeah. Um, and so I 
I asked chemist if, if we could go grab a cup of coffee and he kind of helped give me some direction and like plug me in on how I can release electronic music and how I can play in Memphis. And so he's been um, like a helpful mentor in that way. In, in some ways, what are the steps you guys use to release your music? Cause I know like for this, I use Lipspin. Mm-hmm. So I uh, do you use some type of platform. That's a hosting service that you pay monthly or whatever. I know people use like distro kid. Uh-huh. I've only ever let the label do that. Okay. Um, I think it's gotten easier. Like it was kind of a process that intimidated me at first. Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's pretty easy to do, but the, the label in my case has always mastered my music and then handled like distribution, distribution and putting it on, on uh, streaming. And how long have you been with your label for? Um, My first uh, ish EP was in 2020 through future everything, which Mm -hmm. is the local label electronic music. And um, the, most recent releases on alpha pup. And I, um, I kind of completed this body of songs, sent it to a bunch of labels and never thought, um, that they would respond to it. But, but I was excited when they did. So yeah. I signed a contract for one release. Oh, that's awesome. Um, but they said they love to put out like a full length if, if that's something I'm interested in doing. So oh, nice. Now, do they help with the promotion too? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's yeah. even better. Though. They have a bunch of distribution channels and, yeah. um, <clears throat> So yeah, that's that's helpful. I think that's one of the main reasons to link up with a, a label, honestly. Yeah. Well, they have resources that we might not have. Mm-hmm. You know, they have the ear of a lot of people. Exactly. We only have the ear of our community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Now I always find it amusing sometimes that they always say that generally you'll get more. What is it? Uh, respect or like. Um, acknowledgement from strangers than people in your circle. Cause I guess you can only expect people in your circle to keep listening to your stuff and, you know, supporting you for supporting you for so long. Generally, but then it's funny, like when strangers start giving you confirmation, that's when the the people that known you were like, Oh yeah, I always knew he's good. (laughs) It's like, why weren't you saying that when I was asking you to listen to my music, coming to my fucking shows and shit. It's like, uh, family will support you for a little while. Friends and family support for a little while, but a stranger, I saw this on uh, Instagram, a stranger will make you rich. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because, like, yeah. most of the people that listen to this, we don't even know who they are. Yeah. You know, like, and then our friends that listen, claim they listen, they're not fucking listening. Because when I ask them something, they're like, just like conversation, they're like, oh, man, I can't come on there. Y'all, y'all be talking about all that sex stuff. And I was like... <laughs> Those are very few in between episodes. Like, 98% of the episodes are not about, like... That kind of stuff. Yeah. Man. And yeah. I'm like, don't worry about it. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just walk off. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, like, it, it does, like, it's affirming if, like, a complete stranger who has no relationship with you. Mm-hmm. So there's no, like, pressure for them to say, good job on your set, even though you're, you're doubting in your head, yeah. like, do they really mean that? Or, you know, if a, if a perfect stranger comes up to you and is feeling what you're doing, I think that's a, it feels good. It's like, okay, cool. You know, that's an objective measure of, like, I'm, something I made is connecting with a random person. That's, that's a good thing. Now, how are you going to handle it when people start coming up to you and want to take pictures of you? I don't know. I mean, I'm a, I'll, I'll play ball, you know, to an extent. I don't want to, yeah. you know, that has not been a problem. No one's, a, <laughs> it's not a, yeah. I mean, but that's a, a real life thing, though. If you put your shit out there and then it's, it catches wildfire, I mean, you're good. So it's like, it's only a matter of time before you start getting traction. I think like it comes with the territory, you know, but I understand like people want to have their privacy. It's like a happy balance, man, like of being like, hey, I'm a human too still. Yeah. I think that's something that uh, like doing the self-promotion. Yeah. You know, like these these social media algorithms 
prioritize posts that have like a human face in it. Mm-hmm. You know, like so I could post a video recording of my computer screen of me making music and I can see the difference on how many people view that and yeah. like it and see it versus when it's a picture of me. Mm-hmm. So I sort of had to get over my shy uh, side and be like, okay, I've got to post pictures of myself. You know, I've got to I'm, I'm stand on stage and uh, someone's going to take a video of me yeah. and I'm going to post it because you know there is a side of it where it's like that personal um, giving it a face like is important. People yeah. connect more with that than they do like um, maybe like a visual or just listening to the music. If that makes sense. Man. Yeah. Social media. It's like one of those things that's kind of like a gift and a curse. It's like sometimes you don't want to use it, but then also you need it to get your, your yeah. shit out there. Are you on TikTok too? No, a million people have told me like I need to do that because yeah. you know, the a lot of like is... random songs have blown up just yeah. through TikTok plays, and I think well, they're even counted in Billboard charts. Oh now. wow, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's because like on TikTok, when you I've opened up TikTok right now, it, the first videos are going to people I don't even follow. Oh uh, yeah. So and if you like that, and then you, you know, oh cool, I'll follow. That. I didn't even know that person. I follow them now. <clears throat> it just doesn't have your friends or your following people in the, in your feed. Yeah. A bunch of people have told me like. You have to use TikTok to get past the initial algorithm, mm-hmm. which just seems to be teens doing dances. So I always kind of feel like a creep <laughs> yeah. on there. I don't know. I don't, I, TikTok's not. I think I, I missed it. I think I'm a little too old. I something. think like when I saw they had a commercial, then I was like, okay, this thing is legit now. It's not like you said, like the dancing. It's because I know like there's a the whole thing TikTok taught me. Mm-hmm. Like somebody had to do like, what was it, one of the commercials? It was about like the salt shaker or something yeah. like that. But yeah, their algorithm is wild, man. It just it just pumps shit out there to everybody. Yeah, like, well, I posted a just dumb video one time. I don't post on there a lot or even get on there a lot, but it got like thirty six thousand views. Oh I'm wow, like, what the fuck? And I was talking about some ball cream. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is this? Shit? You guys have a TikTok for the? Uh, I have show? one for this. Yeah, nice. Yeah, but yeah, it's just um, I don't know. I think like it's it's one of those things that we need, but and sometimes it's bad because there's so much hate sometimes too with with social media that probably makes people not want to post their shit because, you know, there's going to be somebody that's probably unhappy. So they want to make somebody else feel bad. So they'll troll the person online. Yeah. But yeah, I would never um, go on someone's post of something they created and, and talk trash on it. I think yeah, I it just, just takes a it. lot of uh, courage to make something and then put it out there. Mm-hmm. So even if privately, I think it's very bad. I yeah. keep that to myself. Yeah. I just don't get why some people are like that, but like so, that says more about them than it does about the person posting. Yeah, because there's the one that taking time out of their day to try. Yeah, to not a lot going on in their life. I think. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know, but like I said, I think all in all, I think social media is a good tool. I mean, that's how we're talking right now because of social media. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I know, like uh, there's a local artist. Uh, have you ever heard of Healy? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's how I found out about Healy was a TikTok song. Like his song was like trending. Yeah, and he's like, awesome. Who's this guy? He's really fucking talented, man. Yeah, he is. Yeah, his. I think he's got a new record coming out soon. I'm pretty oh, excited okay. for. Yeah, he's really good. There's a lot of um, artists in Memphis that I have kind of have a parasocial. You know, I follow them. I like their stuff, and vice versa. But mm. like, I've never had a conversation with them. Mm. But that can be the sort of like lead into a real relationship. Because mm-hmm. then when you go to the event, it's like, hey, I'm Night Park. Oh yeah, I know your stuff. You know. Uh, but then you've got um, this kind of mutual following and respect, and um, so yeah, I think social media, like in 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 terms of like what I do and like for art is, is cool. Yeah. There is a pressure maybe to be, to become a content creator. Um, I know like a lot of prominent artists have complained that their labels are always like dogging them to create 
you know, a TikTok video. Yeah. Um, but I try and just keep it light. You know, if I've got some new stuff out that I'm going to promote it, but I'll also just throw up a meme that I think is funny or whatever. <laughs> but you know, also like on the big artists, like assigned to like the your multiple mm-hmm. level your deals and contracts and stuff. Yeah. Like <clears throat> to stay relevant, you have to make the TikToks. Yeah. Guess what? Everybody's watching. Like, like a hashtag for like working out on Instagram might have 500 million uh, posts about right. it, but on TikTok it has like five billion. Yeah. That hashtag, right? Yeah, it's, so insane. That, it's insane how people are using that. And I don't know what they're doing with our information on any of this stuff. So when everyone's like, oh, TikTok, they're stealing all your information. Man, they could be doing that with any one of the apps we use. Yeah. And it's, the funniest to me is when they post like a meme, don't use this app, it's doing this. You're posting that from your phone that they yeah. can easily be using too. I think too. that ship of sales. Yeah. yeah, I was like, bro. Oh, like the favorite, my favorite is... I did not give Facebook the permission to use my pictures, or I'm like, you fucking stupid motherfucker. Uh, I haven't man. seen one of those in a long I time. I saw one the other day. I just, really? started, I just started laughing on her post, and she goes, What's so funny? I was like, This fucking post is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, wow. Zuckerberg sees that, and he's like, Foiled again. Now I can't, now I can't, <laughs> yeah, use, I can't it. use it. Yeah. <laughs> like, essentially, Tony told me a long time ago when we when we join anything, like any anything, we are not, especially on social media, that's all built into it that they can use the pictures they wanted to. Yeah. You know, that's the agreement. I mean, that's exactly. why it's free. They're collecting your data and selling it. That's why <laughs> that's the whole business model. We were yeah. talking about a friend last night. And when I opened my Instagram, like, I mean, my Facebook up like five minutes later, mm-hmm. her, her profile was the top profile. When I scrolled down, yeah. I was like, that is fucking creepy, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, the fuck? Yeah. Do you believe in that? That they're listening to you or us? Um, I don't keep a, Alexa, whatever in my house. I mean, I don't keep a little (laughs) listening device in my house, but I think it's like, from what I've heard, um, they have like a web of connections. Mm -hmm. So like when I'm hanging out with my friends, you know, these companies know that I am connected because I've been connected to my buddy's Wi-Fi when I go over to his house Mm -hmm. and we've swapped things, we've swapped messages on different social media. So they may not know our relationship, but they know that this user one is connected to this user two in some you. sort of way. And so maybe what my friend is Googling, they know that we're connected and that we're friends. So maybe I'm served ads um, that people in my network. So I think that's more likely than like the listening devices being yeah. on all the time, but that also wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> so I got my mom at Alexa, like this little, this little dot one, you know, uh-huh. most people have. And I was there. I was like, hey, mom, you can say play, I forget, whatever Indian act, uh, singer she wants to listen to. And she said it and she started playing. She liked it. Yeah. And then my fucking brother down in Virginia Beach is like, you need to disconnect that and get it out of your house. I'm like, oh, my fucking God. I was like. And now, that's my thing, like, with the phone, man. The phone is more powerful, I think, than Alexa. Yeah. I mean, it's essentially the same thing. It just doesn't have a screen. Well, yeah. some of them do have screens now. Yeah, I saw it's got a little tablet, like a mini tablet, right? It's like this, yeah. about this big. And I was yeah, like, Damn, I think that ship has sailed a little bit. You know, like people worried about like, oh, I'm going to get the vaccine, and like they're going to put a tracking device. Like you've got a tracking <laughs> device in your pocket that you yeah. carry around everywhere. And then like the best is, you know, it's also like. Um, with the DNA, the interesting. Uh-huh. I'm not doing that. The government held my information. I'm like, God, you sound like a fucking redneck. They already have your information, you dumbass. Yeah. They have it since you're born. Yeah, I always say we're born with a serial number. Yeah, I so mean, it's like dude. you know, everybody has a number, and it's just like everything is online now. So it's very hard to not have some type of digital footprint, or like them know what you're wanted. I mean, if 
if the government wants to do anything to us, they can do it. Yeah, I, I mean, agree. I mean, it's just like, just just try to live your life the best but you can. that's the thing. We're not that special that they're going to fuck with. Like, you know, like there's people more in the world they're looking for than us here in Memphis where we're looking here to come around this podcast. Like, and if people like just normal people thinking that the government is out to get them and, you know, or they're listening to them or tracking them. Bro, I promise you, they're they're trying to catch. Like, now, there's definitely conspiracies that are know? true, but I think some people take it to another level. Yeah, but hey, man, more power to them. If you want to believe what you want to believe, as long as you're not hurting anybody, who cares? But I just think it's kind of amusing sometimes. I see some some stuff people believe, and they're like, "Oh, it's true now." You know, it's like, <laughs> oh my god, man, calm down, Alex Jones. <laughs> what did you see? He has to pay like nine billion dollars. To he's. The, not, I mean, that's that's. I don't, that's I don't never know where gonna. Gonna I don't know where he's gonna get the money from, but like that's what the settlement was that they, against against the so the Sandy Hook parents. Yeah, well, I would imagine most of that would be under his LLC because I'm pretty sure he's smart enough to have an LLC. So there's they're gonna just sue the Infowars and that's the name of his thing. Yeah. yeah, it's instead of him personally, but I don't know how that. Well, that's the thing. Like a lot of my gas stations, I have to see they now started doing. So it used to be before. One store would be under, I mean, f- five or six stores would be under one LLC, LLC, right? So that way somebody gets hurt or whatever, they're just suing the LLC, not the actual owner, right? But now what they're doing, they're creating separate LLCs for every account that they build or, or create. Because now if you slip and fall or, you know, whatever the reason they're suing the person for, they can only sue that store because it's its own LLC. It's not... Um, you, you can't sue the entire LLC, which is going to have more money than that one LLC. So that's the store only got smarter. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Are you getting an LLC for your business? Um, I don't have one, but yeah. several friends have told me I need to work on that. My wife actually just opened a business, a small business called Vintage Crush. Uh, it's like a vintage resale thing. Oh, okay. So we're going to be doing a, um, a LLC for that. But what is that? What do y'all sell there? Um, so it's right now it's just like an online store. Um, but she, is really good at finding like discarded clothes mm-hmm. and then flipping them. Um, so she just did her first drop last week and is doing another one today. Um, so she'll put up like nine items at a time. Oh, wow. And um, yeah, it's cool. Vintage crush. Vintage crush. That's a plug. Send me, well, I can do it myself, I guess. But um, what do you call it? Like, where am I going with this? Oh, um, Rocket Lawyer. It's who I use for the nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And then Tony, did you use them too for this, didn't you? Yeah. And Tony used it to get the LLC for the podcast. Like you just tell them, hey, I want to create an LLC. And you just create an account. It's free to create an account. And then you send the, a, the email to them. And then they'll tell you how much it costs and stuff. And it's all done. I mean, they do it. They do everything for you. And then they send you uh, e-doc you used to sign, you know, you just sign. Yeah. Dude, it's it's effortless. Nice. Yeah. They even do the their tax ID for you and everything. <clears throat> oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, so like with the pro- nonprofit, I got the LLC first because first I was like, hey, I want to I want to start a, a nonprofit. I want to do um, a five hundred one three C, and they're like, okay, well, the first step is let's get your name registered with the state, and then we did that, and the name we wanted was taken, so we changed Tony changed the name to Sunday's Finest, and um, and then the, so that he said like, he has to say like that for a couple months, and then we can do that. So like I think like a year went by. I was like, hey, I, I'm run out ready to. Like, okay, fine. Um, you know, this this is how much it's going to cost. And I was like, okay. And then I paid it. And then five, six months later, I got a letter from the government saying that we've been approved and we now have a L 5013C. Cool. Like they, they literally do all the work because they like the specialists, right? Like they know how to do everything. What's your nonprofit? Uh, Sunday's Finest. 
Or like, what's it about? So we do, um, we like collect clothes for the homeless and less fortunate food, uh, sanitary supplies. Um, we, we do a feeding, like we feed uh, around Thanksgiving or Christmas. That's awesome. And, um, Tony, Tony actually started it and then brought me and Mark in. He watched their video of, um, a barber cutting homeless people's hair on his day off. And he was like, man, why don't, why can't somebody do that here in Memphis like that? And then he was like, well, why can't, and he, asked, and he said, it's like to himself, why can't I do that? So then he hooked up with, I think, forget the person's name downtown. And we were, uh, Herman, uh, wasn't it Herman? Oh yeah. Herman, Herman, but it was a community alliance for the homeless. Cause actually it was Lauren's sisters, the director of it. <clears throat> oh, okay. And like, we started collecting clothes and man, I swear it. Josh Huckabee at Green Beetle, great guy. He let us keep all the clothes and stuff, all our supplies and stuff in his basement of the Green Beetle. It's a little big space down there. And I swear at one point, we probably had 100 bags of clothes. Wow. Yeah, this is just like, you know, making a post from his, from his page and my page and like my friend Mark will make a post. And people just bringing stuff. You know, where, where can we take the stuff at? I'll tell you what, uh, I'll empty my work car out and we can put all the ba- bags of clothes in my work car and I'll just take them home with me. It's like, all right, well, I'll meet you at your, what stop you want to meet you at or wherever. And then boom, next thing you know, I have like 30 bags of clothes in my car. And my boss is like, what's all that, what's all that trash in your car? I'm like, it's not trash, right? It's close to the home. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Well, I got some clothes. I'll bring them to you. And, you know, he gave me some clothes and like, that's awesome. Yeah. It just, it just started, man. And I've kind of hit a wall. I'm kind of, I've hit a couple of places up and, they're not really open for us coming to do it with them on Thanksgiving. Not like that. They're like, oh, well, well, we'll let you know. I was like, well, I kind of need to know. I got six weeks to plan this thing. You know, like I need, I need an answer. So tomorrow I'm going to reach back out to them on Facebook. And whoever says yes, that's the one I'm going with. And whoever says no, I'm like, I really appreciate it. If we, if there's anything else we could do for future together, please let me know kind of mm-hmm. thing, you know. But um, one is uh, Congo Kitchen. And that's in Midtown. I forget where it's at. But, yeah, I know, um, I know the, I know yeah. the spot. That's where I live. Oh, okay, and they do, um, you know, they get food from Trader Joe's and different places in town that will de- deliver their food to them before it expires, and then everybody can come and get it for free. Mm. Like, hey, Trader Joe's will be here tomorrow at nine a.m. or whatever, and then and then they, they put it all in their fridges, and then like the, the dry goods that can sleeve out, you know, and then people just walk up, grab what they want, and go. It's like, I mean, it's a great thing they do over there because all these places just throw the food away anyways. Right. And so Trader Joe's is one of the only ones here in town that doesn't. Um, Kroger, I, so I saw at my Kroger, I saw a bunch of food in the trash can. And I was like, what's wrong with this stuff? So I, you know, I just grabbed one out of there and looked at it. I was like, it's not even expired. And I asked the lady, I was like, why do they throw all that away? Is that something happened to it? Or is it bad or something? She's like, oh, it's probably, it's, probably, it's probably expiring in like two days. So we just throw it away. I was like, okay, let me, let me, let me, let me start thinking about this. So then I, I was kind of buddies with the manager, the store manager. And I was like, can you guys not throw that stuff away? And I can take it. And he was like, I'm telling you, it, it, this is a thing that we don't even want to get involved with because if somebody gets sick, they're going to say they got the food from Kroger and then you know, it's going to be this long thing. And I was like, Okay, how about this? You just you just put the food in a box by the trash can, which is clean. You know, all that area is clean. And all the food that you want to throw away, just put it there. Text me or call me. I'll come out there and I'll come get it. And I'll take it down to Midtown Town and just give it out to people. He was like, oh, we'll see. We'll see. And he never, ever did it because then I asked another manager at the Kroger on stage. And he's kind of like, you know, they, they, everyone's afraid that something's going to happen and they're going to lose their job kind of thing over it. 
So it's terrible. And That's this sad. is like this is like salads and sandwiches that they make in the deli and stuff. Like this this shit is like like five, six dollar food that is per item. Yeah. I'm like, damn, man. That just shows you how much money they're making if they can throw it away like that. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it's not as much, but I still see it at the Kroger in front of oh, I got the little quick shop in front of Kroger on stage across from Sprouts. And sometimes I'll see it in there. I'm just like, man, that's so much food. I'm just like, damn, man. But I mean, even that store manager was like, I can't like. No, I, I mean, you got to protect yourself. But uh, I mean, it's just like they say a couple of people or there's a lot of people that are a couple of paychecks losing a paycheck from being homeless or, yeah. you know, in a bad spot. And like I said, I, I don't think any human should have to go without. And like when we did that thing, we did a. The, the first Thanksgiving dinner we did was like in 2015, 2015. Yeah. And like people kept calling my phone cause we got put on the news and they put my phone number on the news. And I thought it was like a volunteer or something. And this lady calls me and she's like, Hey, uh, are you doing the uh, Thanksgiving dinner for the homeless and less fortunate? I'm like, yeah. I said, just come up here. We were at this community center. And she's like, Oh no, no. Uh, I wanted to get some food for me and my kid. I was like, okay. Yeah. You, cause I thought she was a volunteer. And she's like, no, you know, we need to eat. And I was like, okay, just come. She's like, well, I don't have a vehicle, and my kids and I haven't eaten in a couple of days. And I was like, okay, just give me your address, and we'll bring some stuff over to you. And so they lived not too far from um, Highland, like where newbies and all that is at. And we go there to their house. She opens the door. The kids look emaciated. like, And they were so appreciative of something that we just take for granted every single day. So, you know, just try to, to do better with this world, like, you know, it's nice to have stuff and to do cool shit, but to help somebody out is so rewarding, man. It's like one of the best feelings ever. We have the resources to help everyone that lives yeah. here. That's the that's the source of anger and frustration for me is that, you know, the sort of line of like, well, who's going to pay for that? It's like, well, how do we pay for a lot of things? Mm-hmm. How do we pay for endless wars? You know, like if, yeah. let's let's redirect some of that money and resources that's held by a relatively small group of people, yeah. you know, we, we can, um, we could do a lot of good and we have the capacity to do it. Um, and that's, that's what I think makes it more maddening is to see that kind of human suffering and yeah. know that we live in the richest country in the history of the world. Like we could, we could give people food and housing, you know, we can afford to do it. Man, I saw this video today. Uh, I'll play it, but I'll show y'all. But like this guy, he always goes up to people and he's like, ask for something from somebody. And it ends oh up yeah. I love that guy, thing. man. I found him on Instagram. It's great. But, uh, he had hit this guy. This guy is like in a wheelchair that he's talking to. Let him watch it while he's playing. Let me see here. Do you want to help me smash this pumpkin? Why not? I don't have anything to eat. So I thought maybe we smash this. I could eat something. Maybe run it over with my chip. What's your name? Nice to meet you, man. Nice to meet you, man. By any chance, do you have like a snack or anything? Sure. Here. You sure? Yeah, man. Here. Why are you giving me your apple? Everyone deserves to eat, man. Do you want to still help me smash this pumpkin? Why not? Three, two. <laughs> Great work, bro. That did something. So although I can't eat this pumpkin right now, man, the first person who is going to be kind, I wanted to bless someone today. In my faith, we don't do anything in return. It's because of the kindness you did to me. No, please, I beg you, I do not. It's a thousand dollars. Here's what I want you to do. Go buy as much food and water as you can with that. Yes, sir. Go to the local homeless center and hand it out. I've got enough blessings in my life, but there are people in the world who don't have half as I I love you, man. Love you too, man. The city's gonna break my heart. The city's gonna love you, bro. Love you, bro. 
But like that guy is like from most people's stand or side is like he's less fortunate because he's disabled and he was so thoughtful, like, hey, I'm 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 good. Like go help somebody else out. Like that to me is just like that's his human nature. That's what we need to see more of. Yeah. I think uh one thing that stuck out to me was the way he said how uh there are people who are half as fortunate as me. Mm-hmm. I think it's a simple thing, but something that's really helped me recently is like reframing things that would make me sad or angry, like looking out of the world the last couple of years and just feel like a sense of hopelessness. Mm. Um, but like the way around that for me has been to like change the mental channel and rather than sort of watching that or consuming that or like dwelling on that to, to say, okay, well, what do I got? Yeah. You know, like um, trying to make a list in my head every day of like the things that I have that I'm grateful for, that, then that makes me feel more content and less sort of like, um, discontent <laughs> yeah you know? that makes sense yeah i mean like it's all about perspective man because like i said you can always look for the bad in something but if you like you say you look for the good and you know it's it it's gonna outweigh the bad more than likely because like if you wake up that's an opportunity to do something because there's somebody that didn't wake up today or there's somebody who's dying right now you know so that's what i'm saying i'm doing a dj set and no one's paying attention and people are talking and there's five people there I'm standing on a stage getting paid to play songs I like. I mean, yeah. that's that's a win in my for book. sure. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I I, I love kindness and just trying to be a better person because, like I said, there's a lot of shitty people. I think people are more good than bad though, but there are unfortunately the shitty people generally get the spotlight. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the ones getting the attention. Yeah, I think our the the paradigm or like the system that we live under actually like encourages and rewards sort of like sociopathic bad behavior that's just purely individualistic. Yeah. Um, I think those are the <laughs> the people that rise to prominence and power, which sucks. You know? Yeah, it's like, unfortunately, most people that are really successful probably to step on somebody to exactly. get to where they're yeah. at. <clears throat> I mean, you look at like what Kanye West is going through right now, and it's just like, dude, you brought it on your fucking self, and don't try to look for pity for shit you say. Like, free speech is free speech, but you definitely have consequences for the words you say. Yeah. Like I saw today, he's like going back on the George Floyd comment that yeah. he made. And he's like, yeah, now I know what it feels like to have somebody on my neck. No, you don't, motherfucker. You said some dumb shit that's different than somebody that fucking died. And you lost your billionaire status. You fucking. I love, I love his music. <laughs> his too, music's man. great. You know, but it's music's... just like, you're a fucking ignorant man. Like, just don't say dumb shit. Like, get on meds, man, if, you, if you're that off it. Yeah. Well, everyone's, that's what everyone's saying. Well, I can't believe we're all making fun of him. He he's clearly clearly struggling mentally. We'll go get help. Well, I mean, he has a lot of people around him that can help him. You know what? And I'm gonna and I'm gonna post a funny meme for one. And I'm gonna whatever it is. And you know, it's just like so. I made a post. <clears throat> I thought that Adidas paid him out 260 million when they broke his deal. You know, but it was that's what that, that's the hit they were gonna take like as a company instead. And one of the first comments when I posted that was, oh, we can't say what we want anymore. And I said, no, Jesse, you can, freedom of speech is 100% alive. You can say whatever you want. You can call your best friend the N-word if you want, but I promise you this, the result of your saying that is not going to be pleasant from your employer, your friend that you call that to or whatever. There's consequences for what you said. I don't think Jesse said that just to, I'm just saying, like, that's a bad example. You think real person, and you gave, like, that kind of example. Okay, well, he said he's freedom of speech. Okay? <laughs> but the person I said was real, but he was talking about freedom of speech. 
But the thing is, you're not protected from the consequences of exactly. Yeah. You can say what you want, right? And yeah. Kanye is living but, that now. But you're not protected from fallout from what no. you said. Yeah. It's just like you can shit on your company and hate on it and talk shit about on social media. Your company finds out they may be more likely going to take action and cut fire you, and you're not going to get shit for, for it. But because Tennessee is a right to work state, and just out of luck. Yeah, I watched his interview with Lex Friedman. And Lex was like, man, just call it the people individually. Don't say a blanket statement if it's all Jewish people. <laughs> like, that's just so stupid, man. Like, obviously, you've probably been fucked over by some people. And unfortunately, maybe they were Jewish. I don't fucking know. But, like, that it was that person. It's not the Jewish side of them that fucked you over. I but, think- yeah, it's just it's just ignorant, man. He said a lot of dumb shit. I mean, it's not his first version. Uh, I mean, you know, everyone's like, oh, this is Kanye being Kanye, you know, like, which is true because you, you never know what neck is going to come out of his mouth. It's so fucked but up. But I think now it's like, it's the buck stops here. People are like, no, you can't just be Kanye. You're a human. You got, there's consequences for saying dumb shit. Yeah, it does feel like he maybe crossed a line that's hard to come back from yeah. this time. Yeah, and like I said, they, they're hitting his pockets. You know, a I lot mean, of times he's, people were bat, rewarded for bad behavior, and this time he pissed off the wrong people or well, a group it, of people. It's and like now you're he went it. from one point two billion value, or his, you know, his net worth, and now it's like two, or now it's like four hundred million. And you know, that's a big, big difference because he used to have. Well, he didn't own the Adidas stuff. Yeah, anymore. and then remember, like, and four hundred million dollars is a lot of fucking. Yeah, money. don't get me wrong, but like, remember, he had to borrow fifty million. Back in a couple of, like twelve years ago, from somebody to get back started because he's already gone bankrupt once. Yeah, because I remember he was asking Mark Zuckerberg on Twitter for money or something, and then I don't oh, know. See, if it I was thought a that meme. was fake. I thought that was fake. It may be a meme, <laughs> but like Mark's like, I that's not my platform. Use my platform. You're gonna have to provoke the money. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like I said, he's a he's a talent. I don't think he's a genius, but I think he's a talented musician. But I think that he just has flaws, and that's another thing about celebrities. They're no different than anybody else. They piss and shit just like everybody else. They just have a little bit more talent or work a little bit harder or at the right place at the right time. So it's like stop putting these people on this big pedestal because, like I said, he's a human and you're seeing a human make mistakes. But like I said, there's consequences for those mistakes. You know, it's kind of like when you watch Shark Tank and they bring like a big celebrity out as one of their people with the people that are pitching it. And they think just because they have a celebrity that the judge is going to go, oh, well, that's, you know, I remember they did one with Alex Rodriguez. And I think they actually got the deal. So this is probably a bad example again. But like, uh, <laughs> my point is that I've seen them come out with other people and they didn't give a fuck. Your numbers aren't there. Your numbers aren't yeah, there. Yeah, I think Gronk, didn't they? Get yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. It was Gronk and his brothers. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, I don't know, man. Like, like I said, I think that he puts his foot in his mouth a lot. And like I said, I think now it's just he's getting... He's getting his due due time. Yeah, it feels a little like gross to we're like watching someone have like a life mental breakdown over a sustained amount of time, but like we're sort of consuming it as entertainment and he sort of like needs like uh, people to watch him do this. It's like it's clearly like a psychological need for him to he'll say whatever he needs to say to like remain in the headlines. Well, Well, I saw that like one thing I did pick up from that Lex interview, it's like he comes off really insecure. Because, like, he said that he was jealous of when Justin Timberlake had that song with Timberlake, I'm Bringing Sexy Back. So that's why he came out with Stronger. Or was it Power? No, Strong. One of the songs. So he had to even come to get, he had to get Timberland to do the drums because he tried to get Pharrell to do it. It wasn't right. He got some other guy to try to do it. It wasn't right. And then Timberland was like, yeah, motherfucker, you had to come to the guy that did it. <laughs> like, 
But then, like he said, he was jealous because he dated this girl who liked Justin Timberlake a little too much. And then, you know, Jay-Z, he got mad when Jay-Z and uh, Timberlake were doing that uh, suit and tie song. And he was jealous of Pharrell, too, because, like, like some girls like, oh, yeah, all the girls like Pharrell. And he's like, well, why don't the girls like me like that? So it's just like, you know, I think a lot of his shit was driven by insecurity. And it's like this is kind of like cracking his armor, showing you that this is the man behind. It's like a boy behind a man. Mm. But yeah, I wish he would go figure his stuff out away from cameras. That's what needs to happen. I mean, he and then he was with that family, that fucking tragic Kardashian family, man. I just I just think that that kind of stuff is just toxic, man, because they like that family. What kills me about them is that. Like, one of the sisters got mad that somebody posted a picture of her. She looked fine in the picture. But they give, and they're talking about, like, you're going to, you're making women look bad. But, like, the, all they've done really is made women feel insecure about their bodies. So, I, think I don't that's know. Right. Yeah. It's not that you're ugly. You're just poor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, like, you know, yeah. it's like, because a Chloe, yeah, Chloe, uh, when she came out of surgery and they, she finally came out, you, someone took a picture of her. But people at TMZ were like, "Is that even Chloe? Like they want they want they want hundred percent shorter. Like they had to question it because their face looks so different now." But don't they claim they didn't get surgery? <clears throat> well, uh, uh, Ky- Kylie, who's the makeup billionaire, she said she doesn't have anything fake on her. It's all natural, mm. even her lips. But the, you can see pictures of like from like, you know, as she got older, like. And they're like, oh, that's just that's just puberty and this and that and then like, but they look her lips look fucking like you know like when you get the injections like yeah you look like that now duck lips yeah I don't know man like I said it, it's people love them though man everything they do is successful like because I think of it this is their brand right so if they put their name on something their mom pimped their daughter out that's what's so fucking wild <laughs> yeah. to me and like I saw the video where Ray J like she had multiple tapes and she reviewed the tapes man that's so creepy like that's just to me is just I don't know man that's some wild shit and I think everything they do is for publicity like when they were dating that guy from SNL like they're using oh, Pete him. Davidson yeah, like, yeah I don't know man but well, Courtney married. I mean, Courtney, did Courtney get married to that guy? Travis Barker, not the one. Yeah, yeah, I think they're married because it was uh, Kim that started dating Pete Davidson, and then she started dating the guy, some guy with tattoos, and just happened, you know, it's him. Yeah, I don't know, man. But enough Kardashian talk. All right, um, <laughs> I don't want to have too much more of your time. I love asking these questions. Uh, where do you think we go when we die, or what do you think happens when we die? Oh man. That was a wild turn, guys. <laughs> um, shoot, I, I'm. I don't know. I have no idea. I think probably nothing, but I I'm open to um, that being not the case. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I think pro- I lean toward there being like this is it. Mm. Um, that we create heaven and hell here, mm. but um, but I don't know. I don't know. What, yeah. What's your take? I don't know because I don't. I've never talked to anybody that's passed on, um, but I would hope that at least what I'm doing with this life is enough fulfillment. So, like, I don't think about like where I was at before I was born, and I try not to think too much about what like, happens to me afterwards. 
So I just what I'm saying, like, I try to do the most with this life while I'm here, because this is the only thing I know that's guaranteed. Like this moment is guaranteed right now. I don't know what's going to happen like an hour from now or even 10 minutes from now. But this is this is my moment I need to focus on. And I saw like uh, who said it best? Uh, Keanu Reeves said it on Stephen Colbert. He's like, I know that the people that love us miss us. And so, like, that's the thing that, you know, it's the thing about life is like if you um, just constantly look towards the future or towards the past and not looking into the present, you're missing out on this beautiful thing that we're gifted. Cause it's not even guaranteed that you're even born a human, you know? So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, like I said, I've done some psychedelics and I've seen some wild shit. And I like even, I did talk to a guy that I know that passed away in one of my, I did ayahuasca and we had a conversation, but we didn't talk. Like I was talking, but he wasn't talking. But we communicate was very fucking weird. But um, I don't know. I don't know if there's a heaven. I don't know if there's a hell. But I know that there's this moment right now. I've gotten more comfortable, like, not knowing as I've gotten older. I was raised in a, um, like, a Christian home. Yeah. And it was, you know, we, it wasn't just like we went on Christmas. It was like we went often. And so when I started to have, like, doubts in my faith, part of a crisis that I had at, like, 15 was like, okay, well, if this isn't true— then what is true? Mm-hmm. Like I've been told this is 100% true and I need to find a replacement that I also believe is 100% true. And I have to know for sure. And no one could give that to me yeah. because we don't know for sure. And so, you know, it's cool. It's fine. Not knowing yeah. like it, like you said, uh, you know, what happens after I die is not in my control or within my understanding. So I'm not going to, I think I just spend less time thinking about that. And I think the, like every day, did you guys see the movie? Um, shoot, it's like the Disney Pixar movie Soul. Soul. Yeah, 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 that's good. To me, it was like there is a transcendent sort of spiritual quality within commonplace everyday experiences. Mm-hmm. And if your mind is somewhere else and you're not noticing how important and, and magical those little things are, then that's what that's kind of you're missing the point. Yeah, I can't remember who said this, but they said it on here to us. Um, <clears throat> Our energy when we die just goes back into the earth. Well, your body definitely does. Yeah. You're going to feed something, mm-hmm. and you know. So, like that's what he was. That's what he was. Thought, his take was like we the, we when we die, we release our energy, it goes back into the earth. You know, ours like Tony just said, our bodies are in the earth. So, mm-hmm. and my parents believe in reincarnation. So, like they've lived perfect lives their whole life, right? So, like they they're going to be reincarnated in something good when they pass on. I don't know what, fuck, man, I'm going to be like a piece of shit. So I'm going to poop, oop, there goes Raul, back to the toilet, you know. I, I, I don't know, man, like. Um. Yeah, I think, like, I think a lot of us don't think about our death death enough. Like, some people just think we're going to live forever. And see, I think that's a bad thing, because if you think that, you're just not going to try to accomplish anything, because you think tomorrow's guaranteed, and it's not. I mean, there's a lot of people we know that they didn't wake up the next day. You know, or they, something happened, they got in a car accident or something like that. And like, they always say people that died yesterday or died today had plans for tomorrow. So yeah. it's just like, you know, to try to do most with this life. And like I said, even like that video of that guy, you see that guy is disabled and he's, he had a good outlook on life, at least in that video he does. I don't know him personally, but, um, yeah, I just think the dreaded. Like I said, nothing is guaranteed that I know of, but to live this moment to the best of our ability is the, the best we can do as humans. And as bad as things are, and I think probably are going to get worse, you know, we're 
we're living compared to most in human history. I mean, we're yeah. comfortable. Like yeah. we're, we're doing great. You know, I mean, we, things could be a lot better, but mm. I try to remind myself of like, I think I might rather be me than like a Pharaoh. You know mm. what I mean? I've got air conditioning. That's pretty nice. I've yeah. got like transportation. You know? Yeah. Like in the grand scheme of history, I think the baby boomers are probably the most comfortable generation, but I'm probably the second most, you know what yeah. I mean? I've got, I've so much has been given to me that was not earned. And in fact, was stolen from a lot of other people, you know, wealth that was <laughs> yeah. passed down to me. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm grateful for what I have and uh, the rest is gravy. You know? Yeah. Like uh, that's another thing too about, like I've been fortunate enough to be able to travel to some places and to see how some people live in other countries. I'm like, man, there's nothing to complain about back home. Like I distinctly, remember, I talk about this a lot, but I distinctly remember I was in Africa one time. And I looked over, we were going to this resort. We stayed at a bunch of nice places, which when I got there, I felt shitty. Like, cause like I had like kind of like American guilt, but like, I see like off to the side, there was animals and kids digging through this pile of rubbish for, for food. And I'm like, fuck man. Like there's nothing to bitch about, you know? So I don't know. I just think that we as people just need to just, you know, do our best, man. Just be kind and. You know, just live this life to the best of our ability. Because, like I said, that's the only thing we really know. And that's the only thing that's guaranteed is the now. Yeah, I think, like, finding meaning in uh, each other, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't know. It's it's hard to describe without sounding super cliche. But I think what we're supposed to do is love other people and try and lessen their suffering. Mm. And that is how we eventually, indirectly, relieve our own suffering, I think. Yeah. Okay, my other two questions are, what's your advice for people, and what mark do you see yourself leaving on the world? Just advice in general? Yeah. Um, I think kind of what we've been talking about, just like practice gratitude and try and lessen the suffering of others. That's sort of the mantra that I've come up with for myself. That's my advice. And the mark I want to leave on the world, I think it's like I want to have – enrich the uh, lives of the people around me, the people that are most important to me, you know, in a perfect world, I would love for my music to be remembered like, like the Beatles, you know, internationally. Mm -hmm. But I think the more realistic and maybe even more important thing is that like, did I make life better for the people around me? Um, Did I make them laugh? Did I um, build them up? Did I support them? Was I a good friend, uh, son, husband? I think that is, you know, it sounds small, but I think if I can do that, that's a good life. Yeah. No, because like if you're good to one person, that might inspire somebody else to be good to another person. It just butterflies effects from there. It's like the whole uh, pay for the person behind you mentality. Pay it forward. Yeah. You know, like yeah. like, like Sonic or whatever, you know, or Chick-fil-A, you know, and I see that all the time. Yeah. That's so, <laughs> sorry. That's, that's all I had on that part. Sorry. Sorry. I do have a question though. <clears throat> um, what is a small goal that you have right now that you want to accomplish maybe before the end of 2022? Mm-hmm. And what is like a big goal for next year? I'm trying to achieve like work-life balance. I'm trying to provide and have stability in my career, but then have time to do all the stuff I love to do that gives my life meaning. And like really is yeah. why I think what I feel most alive when I'm making music, exercising, when I'm outside, when I'm with my friends and family. So I'm trying to get to a point where I can exist within this current sort of structure, this current um, environment in terms of like, I've got to have a job, got to have health insurance, but without giving up 
like most of my life and most of my hours just to enrich someone that um, <laughs> I work for. Yeah. Well, doesn't give a fuck about uh-huh. you. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's what I'm striving for. And I think a lot of people like that's what a lot of people want. Um, so I think that's my long, my big goal. Okay. Um, and then my short term goal, I guess, uh, I don't know. I, I want to help. Um, oh, this is tough. I don't know. Uh, I want to, um, be, I've been, I've been on the treadmill recently. Right. So I, I heard it, it's a TikTok thing. It's a, uh, 12, three 30. My buddy told me about it. So the incline is 12. The miles per hour is three. And then you go for 30 minutes, mm. 12, three 30. So it's a, it's a way to lose weight basically and to gain endurance. And so you get that, you, you hike up that, uh, that's incline, a big incline. And then, you know, but you can be texting, checking email, listening to music. Like it doesn't feel like a super strenuous workout, but when you get off the treadmill, you're like, you're drenched. Oh, wow. And your legs feel like jello because when you yeah. first step off the treadmill, you're like, oh man, dang. Well, I've done like, a, I don't know, it's nothing that intense, but mm-hmm. like, it's been like, uh, like a six and like I've done it for like, you know, and the big thing is don't use, don't hold on. Right. Exactly. Right? You, you got to swing, when you, you, you gotta you, swing you, Yeah. When you hold on, you're taking the, you take, you defeating the purpose of the workout, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. You're still getting a good workout, but not as fully as you would if you're just walking like the, you know, Yeah. I read that if you feel like you need to <clears throat> yeah, hold on, yeah. then you're going too fast. Yeah. And that's the sign that you need to decrease the speed. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to do that, uh, four times a week. That's my small time, small term goal. And it's a cool, like, um, little time for myself and I'll often use it to like digital crate dig. So I'll go through playlists and I'll be listening to stuff that maybe I want to sample or play in a DJ set. So there's just a dedicated 30 minutes where I've got nowhere to be. Mm. Cause he's always asking, how do you watch TV on when you, on your phone or, or YouTube or whatever, on your phone, when you're doing the elliptical, I'm like, I don't know. It's just easier for me. I, it's because I'm focusing on that instead of it's only been two minutes, Jesus fucking Christ, you know, or whatever <laughs> it is. Yeah. But Mm-hmm. You gonna tell him about your journeys that you've been on? Nah, I ain't got time for that today, man. I'll show you a video, uh, Brady. Okay. Let's see here. So this is the many faces of Raul. I'm not the Joker. You just never know what you're gonna get. <laughs> I got it. Oh, I have one, something. I saw this earlier before you came over. And I was going to ask you about that. So you made a post that you house caught on fire while you were in it. And, oh, damn, really? Yeah. And everything burned, right? And you got the insurance check. What made you decide to use the insurance check to continue music? Like, wow. When my... uh apartment caught on fire i had moved here like three months prior to memphis to try and make it in music and i was in oh you're not from here i was born here but i grew up in oklahoma in oh, Tulsa. okay 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 yeah but I, I moved here um to try and make it like as a uh, you know studio engineer yeah and basically a lot of uh studios will tell you yeah well we're gonna pay you but you know you're mopping floors and you're getting very little education and they're basically using you as free labor oh, okay. so i was very poor. <laughs> and I was living in a, like a rundown apartment that caught on fire. Um, and I, I got out, but I did have first and second degree burns and like a lot oh, of my shit. stuff, uh, was ruined. And so thankfully like a month prior I had purchased uh, renter's insurance. And so when I got that, like I had, 
I remember like the night before the fire, I had just finished like a Justin Timberlake remix that I was super pumped on. Like I felt like I was um, onto something. And so um, I wasn't going to let it get derailed by, uh, by that happening, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow, man. I did not know that. Yeah. It's crazy. I was lucky. How long were you in the house for? Um, oh shit. This was like an apartment complex, uh, off of union Avenue. Oh, fucking burn your face. You can't even tell man. Mm-hmm. Man, that's wild. Yeah. I was really lucky. Were you sleeping? I woke up, uh, right as the fire was starting, which is lucky for me. <laughs> there Jeez. was no smoke alarm. So the, the couch caught on fire because my roommate at the time left a space heater running and it Fuck. caught the whole place on fire. Damn. That's crazy. How long ago was this? Uh, that was 2013. So we're coming up on 10 years, 10 years ago. Damn. So that's another thing, man. You just never know what somebody's going through. Yeah. Like I would never have thought that like just from talking to you. Yeah. I was really lucky, but I think that was the first, um, experience I had where like reality was smashing up against my dream Mm -hmm. to work in music. And, um, I was like, okay, I'm really poor and can't afford a better place. that doesn't just burst into flames. Yeah. So maybe I should do music, continue to do music, not give up on it, but maybe I need to sort of like adjust how I'm treating music. And so I think that was the first time where it's like, I'm not giving up, but I'm going to also maybe develop some other streams of revenue mm-hmm. and like some fallback things yeah. while I continue to work on music. Wow. So what made you move to Memphis? What was it about Memphis? Um, I met a girl in college and she got into school over here. Okay. Um, so I kind of chased her over here. I got you. I got you. Wow. Damn, man. I did not know that. That's wild. Memphis is a, a cool place. It gets a bad rap and it's not perfect. Like there's a lot of things that could be better, but I enjoy bringing friends and family from Oklahoma over to visit and showing them like some of the low key cool stuff that's happening in yeah. Memphis. Like this is how we party in Memphis. Y'all ready? All right, let's go. Cause <laughs> it's got a lot of personality and culture <laughs> yeah. and uh, it's people are kind. I mean, you know, it has a, a reputation as like a dangerous place and it is in some ways, but my experience in Memphis is like, um, I don't know. People are genuine. And if you mind your own business and are, are polite to people, that's I, I've generally had a good experience here. Yeah, there's a lot of people that do shit on Memphis, but like I said, I think that if you go to any city, it's going to have its problems. There's other stuff that's happening in some other city we just don't hear about. You're going to hear about it a lot more because you live here, mm-hmm. you know, because I know like, I was talking to somebody on Friday and they had moved away and then they moved or they're visiting now. And he's like, yeah, I always hear people talking shit. But then he's like, you know, from where I was at here, it's a lot better than it was in the past. So it's like there are making good improvements. It's just you need to you know, clean your side of the street, basically. Yeah, yeah. And do something. Uh, yeah, be a part of it, like what you guys are doing. Well, the city is giving, the MPD is giving away the club. Remember the clubs? Like from the 80s? Are you putting your car steering wheel? Oh, really? Oh, they're, prevent, like, they're, they're, they're giving that away. Like, you just go get one, I guess. I heard it on the radio the other day. Uh, auto, weren't people, like, just cutting the steering wheel to take them off? Yeah, I mean, so it's kind of... I mean, I guess it's no, nothing. So there's one that you can do where you... you it's I guess it probably club. would have a better design. Though. It's with the club that you put it against your gear shifter and you push it back. Mm. And then you can't get the car to gear without the lock, unless you cut the, the lock. There's going to be a way around it, right? I think a lot of it, though, a lot of just like break-ins. I don't know if a lot of them are just like 
carjacking. Yeah. Did it say auto burglary is up 93% or something like that? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It's like I said, Memphis has a lot of potential, but unfortunately, there's some bad apples, you know, that if they can get away with it, why would they not do it, you know, in their mind at least? I think a lot of crime too is like derived from poverty and desperation. Mm-hmm. Not all crime, but I don't think it's generally people like, I'm looking to hurt some people. And um, so I think if we could like address poverty uh, more significantly, then that would reduce crime. But it seems like the um, go-to is to sort of like address crime through violence and incarceration. Yeah. So that's just my take. No, that's true, man. There's definitely that. Cause a lot of jails are for profit. Like <laughs> they make money off the sheets. They make money off the people doing labor. Like they have fucking prisoners putting out fires in California, which is wild to me. Well, the, the one on the fire thing, they, also, I mean, they don't make shit. They make like a dollar an hour or something like that. But they're also working off their sentencing. Because, I mean, that's basically a modern version of slavery. Yeah, it really know? is. So. Hey, you can come do this forest fire. We'll take off. A, every day you work, we'll take two days off your sentence or whatever. Yeah, you know, like. It's pretty grim. Like, all right. Uh, okay. So I'm going to go die or die in jail. I'll, I'll go die out here in the fire. Yeah. You know? And then most of those people, man, I would imagine when they get out, it's not going to be easy to find a job. It's not going to be easy to simulate back in the regular life once you've been housed with all these other people. And so that's why a lot of them end the back up and they're again. So it's just mm-hmm. like a repetitive cycle, man. It's like a revolving door. Yeah. So you're right. Like they need to figure out other avenues. Well, more and more companies are um, hiring fe- with a felony record, but this depends on what the felony is. Um, like there's a list of like 50 or 60 companies that are like Fortune 500 companies that are. Um, they hire felons. If it's like a like a drug charge, they'll definitely hire you. Not thinking like they talk about like murder charge or something like that. They're not going to hire you. Yeah, it seems like the current system is really expensive. It doesn't work, yeah. and it's also really cruel. I, mean, I don't see any reason. You know, I know yeah. it's enriching the people who own the private prisons, but I can't really see who else it's benefiting. Um, there, there is no like focus on rehabilitation, and I think a lot of those social safety net. Um, programs have long or have been destroyed mm-hmm. or like cut. Um, and so what you're left with is just sort of like the state's primary function and ability seems to be centered on brute force. Mm. You know, that's kind of what they're set up to do. It's funny that, or it's not funny, but it's, it's odd how like a lot of people will have more compassion for an animal than for a human. Like if you're going to hear a dog's going to be put down, like, oh, we got to do something about this or just dog. I'll see posts about this dog was in a park, but they don't post about the homeless person that is in the park, too. Yeah. You know, but I don't know. I just think that we as people just need to be better to each other. But this is Raul. This is a many faces of Raul. Wow, man. No one's coming to tell you to turn the TV off. No one's coming to tell you to get out the door and exercise. Nobody's coming to tell you to apply for that job that you've been dreaming Thank you. Nobody's coming to write the business plan for you. It's up to you. And that last picture is exactly a year ago. That's really cool. So has fitness always been big in your life? Yeah, my dad was a fitness freak and is still. Okay. He could probably still kick my ass. <laughs> He's like... He's a cut, you know, he's like Lance Armstrong. Oh, wow. Okay. He was always like either cycling or swimming or kind of going through a different, um, like obsession fitness wise. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was never like 
you know, I'm kind of an artsy, like thoughtful, sensitive guy, but I've, I've gotten better. I've gotten a little bit less that way. And I think hopefully become a little bit more uh, centered in my personality, but I never really loved group sports, like team sports, like football and baseball. And yeah. I always really loved the individual stuff where I'm competing against myself, cycling and, and running and stuff like that. And I went through a bad breakup in college and my friend was like, my, he was a UFC guy and uh, he was my roommate. And he's like, come to the gym with me. And I was like, no, no, I'm too sad. And he's like, no, no, you're coming to the gym. So he forced me to go and I didn't know what I was doing. And I just kind of copied what he was doing. And um, that was like a turning point for me because it was the psychological benefit of exercising. I was like, man, I feel great. Mm. Um, like when I was, you know, when I go into the gym um, and then I come out, it's like, I can't remember why I was so stressed out or worried or angry about that thing. So for me, it feels good physically, yeah. you know, but there's a, definitely a psychological thing to it. So I, I try and make it a priority. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was telling them, I just recently started going back to the gym and I was there on Friday and I see this kid and his dad, this kid's got to be about seven or eight years old. And the kid's on one of those like stair climber machines or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's just going up and down. His dad's standing behind him while he's on the machine. And I'm like, why does this man have this kid on this machine? It seems kind of cruel. And uh, then I see the kid walking and the kid's like got a limp. And then I realized the kid had lost his leg and they're trying to strengthen his leg. Wow. And then that was like, to me, it's like, man, there's no point of ever being fucking lazy about shit. This kid in here is, is, has one leg and he's fucking working his ass off. And I'm an able-bodied man that's not, you know, doing the best with my body. So it's just like, you know, now it's like a priority, like to, to, cause I mean, this is, there's no point of wanting nice shit if you're not healthy enough to enjoy it. Yeah. You know? And I think it, your quality of life as you go on will probably be a lot better. Like you, I think dodge a lot of the common health problems mm-hmm. if you kind of um, establish that kind of lifestyle earlier. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not here, to, you know, to like. I'm here to advocate for it. You know, it's not. It, it, most people don't enjoy it. Yeah, but I didn't enjoy it until I did. You yeah. know, <laughs> once you get through the first couple of weeks, I think then you start to really, and the the, the pain is lessened. It's more, you know, you're exerting yourself, but it's not that sort of acute. Hmm. uncomfortable pain um i don't know it to me it's a a really important part of my weekly routine yeah because i think most of us do shit all day long we don't want to do like i'm most of us work (laughs) i mean if you had the choice between working and not working and you'd have to worry about finances or anything else like that i I guarantee most people probably wouldn't be doing what they're doing for Mm -hmm. a living but like to not take care of your body you know is just kind of a disservice to yourself yeah yeah exactly I got a standing desk. I convinced my company to get me a standing desk, and that's that's a game changer. My friend Alex, she has a desk, a standing desk, but mm-hmm. she also has like a treadmill thing that she can add to it. That's like the next just, step. Yeah, yeah like I you just get walk that too. while she's working. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, yeah, like you never burning calories. Yeah. Yeah. That is a disservice of working from home because I never realize how much I don't move. And, and I just got a, one of these Apple watches, like stand. you know it's like because like it's like eight hours a day you're just sitting there you know on your computer and that's not good for you and it's like i never realized how much i didn't move you know working Mm -hmm. here from home so it's like and that's why i'm like that's another reason why i started i was like i gotta start doing shit man yeah we're not meant to be sitting in a a chair yeah. yeah for eight hours a day yeah that's it's a it's not good for us yeah so where can everybody find you at um, I'm on Instagram as underscore night park and then another underscore. I think I'm on Twitter. Um, 
I think the same night park. Um, and then I'm on every streaming service. So Spotify and Apple music. And, um, I've got two kind of main EPs that are out right now called outside love. And then the most recent one is called spring final. Um, and then you can also hear some of my production on Don lifted's most recent record that I'm really proud of Three Twenty Five I, uh, which came out on fat possum, I think late last year. So yeah. do you have any gigs coming up that people can go see you? Uh, not, not on the books, but you know, follow me on socials and I post about it. You know, usually I learned about the gig two or three days before it happened. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been DJing a lot more and I'm really excited for, for more opportunities. So if you're listening, book me for sure. Well, I appreciate your time, man. It's been a good conversation. Thank I'll you guys your, for having I'll drop me. your thing to, um, Epic DJ Epic. You know, DJ Epic. I don't No, Mm-mm. He, he's a really well-known guy around town. He does, um, like every week he's got like seven, six, six gigs or five gigs. And most of them are out of town now because there are fraternities and sororities. He does. Mm. And he's just like the college DJ guy. That's cool. Like, dude He's killing it. And he's been out of college for like five years though, but he's fucking murdering it. I want to do tin roof. That's, that's my, that's he, maybe that's my short term goal. I want he, to do tin roof. he is the guy that is the resident DJ for tin roof. Okay. Good person to know. Yeah. Definitely hook you up. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Got you. Well, I had fun talking to you guys. Thank you for having yeah, me. Yeah, man. It was a great conversation. All right. Appreciate cool. it. Appreciate yeah. it.